my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta. everybody, Angela Bowen here, the host of, oh my Lanta, holy chalupas, an unofficial Full House, Fuller House podcast. Well, today I'm going to be continuing my coverage of the serious episodes for the month of April. Today we are going to be looking at season six, episode 17, Silence is Not Golden. This episode aired February 16th, 1993. And I gotta say, honestly, of a lot of these serious episodes, this one really takes the cake. Because, oh my goodness. When Stephanie's paired with a classmate she hates for a school project, she finds out that his father is beating him and is sworn to secrecy. And here's the other synopsis. Stephanie reels at being paired for a school project with classmate Charles, whom she hates, and for all the right reasons. Then he lets it slip that his dad beats him and swears her to secrecy. Meanwhile, it's no laughing matter when Michelle runs up Danny's phone bill calling the quote-unquote funny buddy 1-900-JOKE-LINE. Yes, I, uh, you know, the thing is, when they say it, it almost sounds like funny bunny, but anyway, yes, I've had my own share of calling the 900, not those type of 1-900 numbers, but, um, it was a soap opera hotline where you could find out, like, spoilers for the following week of whatever soap opera you were watching, yeah. I know, and I was 11 at the time, so I was much older than Michelle and more than likely much older enough to know, like, you know, these calls do cost money, but in the back of my mind, it's like, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it's not a big deal. <laughs> I can't even remember how much it cost a minute, but I don't know whether it was like, you know how they always say, the first minute is free, and then like two ninety nine plus whatever after, or something. Alright, this episode's got an 8.1 out of 10 based on 302 ratings. This episode was directed by Joel Zwick, written by Jeff Franklin and Ken H-E-C-H-T. I, I can't pronounce that. So let's take a look at the cast list. We do have Jennifer P. played by, you all know her as Topanga Lawrence. On Boy Meets World, yes, Danielle Fischel is playing Jennifer P. We also have returning guest Journey Smollett as Michelle's friend Denise. We have Susan Krebs playing Mrs. Patterson, Stephanie's teacher. And of course, well, hold on a second. There's another Jennifer, the blonde one, who's in another episode, but... She apparently is not credited for this one. I don't know. Weird. 
Uh, um, the boy who plays Charles is played by J.D. Daniels. You may remember him if you were a kid in the 90s and watched the Mighty Ducks movies. Well, when I say movies, I mean just the first one. He played Peter, the kid with the leather jacket and the backwards hats. And for whatever reason, he just didn't return for the se- Well, there's a handful of kids that didn't return for, uh... The second, you know, D2. Peter, um, what the heck was that other kid's name? Uh, Carp. I'm sure there's probably another. Terry was not there, so they had to end up, uh, replacing some of those kids with, uh, new kids. Or maybe even the kids just didn't want to do it. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? All right, so. Let's go to the trivia. The harmonica sound effect as Stephanie looks back at Charles is the opening music for Roseanne. Really? I'm going to listen for that. Both shows feature a character who faces physical abuse. Charles's father hits in this episode. And on Roseanne, Jackie's boyfriend hits her. Jackie is Roseanne's sister. There is also an episode, you know, Darlene's boyfriend, who would later become her husband, I don't know, Roseanne, David, he also, I would say, even comes from, his, his mother is abusive. She hits him and stuff like that. I can definitely agree with this trivia here. Charles being beaten by his father is one of the darkest moments in sitcom history. It... I can say it definitely is one of the darkest. Uh, I gotta say, probably one of the darkest that I have seen that makes me extremely uncomfortable, and I would definitely try to get through it when I review it. For the Different Strokes podcast is The Bicycle Man, where Arnold wants to buy a bike from this bicycle shop owner, and... He brings Dudley over, and then the guy invites him into his little apartment, which is connected to the store, and he, um, the guy is, and it's really weird because the guy who plays the bicycle man, who's a child monster, is played by Gordon Jump, who I would have known prior to, I didn't really see WKRP in Cincinnati, but... I knew him as Maggie Seaver's father on Growing Pains. So even though he played that character after, that is the character I'm familiar with when I'm watching the Bicycle Man episode. And it just, it sends shivers down my spine. It just really makes me, uh, I mean, it, it just makes me feel gross and just, I don't But I will cover that one when I get... I'm going to say this, guys. The Different Strokes podcast, I more than likely will eventually pick back up once I'm done with the Full House podcast and Fuller House podcast. That's kind of what my main focus is, and I know my other podcasts have kind of fell by the wayside, but I just kind of don't want to get too overloaded, but all right. The title comes from the old proverb, silence is golden. This is a rare instance of a sitcom featuring a character who is 
beaten by a parent. And the thing is, we don't ever see Charles's father. We never see him. Uh, another episode that deals with child abuse that's a good episode is from Silver Spoons called Spare the Rod. It's from season two. I covered all of Silver Spoons on my Punky Brewster Punky Power podcast, so that is up there. And that is an incredibly acted episode. Ricky makes a friend who, when we meet him, he's got his arm in a sling. And he says that, oh, well, I fell off a fence. He was, like, walking across a fence or something. And then he lost his balance and fell. And then he comes up with the, um... And the next time he shows up to hang out with with Rick, I guess they're going to go sledding, and his face is, you know, covered and stuff like that with a blanket. And he's, when the blanket comes, the kid's got bruises all over his face. And it just, it breaks my heart. And Rick gets the character Toby to admit that his father beats him. And the thing is, sometimes kids will, like, they will take the blame, like, well, it's my fault because I didn't listen. It's my fault because I tracked mud through the house on the new carpet and this and that. And it just, oh, it just breaks my heart, but. Alright. Oh, we got some goofs. Alright. I, I gotta do say, the one episode in particular of a show that I think could have been done better was uh I think it was called Bad Dog from Punky Brewster. It was a season four episode with Punky befriending a new girl in the apartment building where she lives and the the girl is you know being hit by her mother. We don't hear it but Punky's dog, Brandon, does because their apartment, apparently, the girl and her mother, their apartment's right above Punky and Henry's apartment. And Brandon's, like, barking all night and everything, and the neighbors can't take it anymore. And it turns out he's barking because he hears the noises and the yelling going upstairs. But I just feel like maybe, I mean, I'm not trying to compare it to... Silver Spoons' episode, but it's just, I felt like that episode, Bad Dog, could have been done a lot better. It really, really could have. Hey, here's, here's a goof. Oh, that's right! Yes, this is the episode where Jesse and Steve are both reading Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. And let me tell you guys, I've not read the book. I don't even, I know I have a copy or had a copy. And I think it's like barely above 100 pages. It's not a long book. But Jesse and Steve still decide to split the book in half where one person reads like the first half, the other person reads the second half. I gotta ask, are there people in this world that do stuff like that? That is just weird. Alright, so this goof here. Jesse admits to not knowing the woman's identity in the movie Tootsie. I haven't seen that, but I would like to see it. I hear it's really good. Dustin Hoffman. 
After he walked in halfway through, and he's shocked and in disbelief when Steve says the woman was actually a man. This doesn't make sense because he is constantly changing his sexual identity throughout the movie. And then there's the famous reveal scene, so Jesse not knowing after watching a chunk of the movie is not possible. Well, maybe he's saying when he walked into it that Dustin Hoffman was already Tootsie. He's like, who is that ugly woman? Well, yeah, but then Steve says, oh, you know, you know, Tootsie was really a man, and, and Jesse looks at him like, maybe, maybe he didn't stay for the whole movie. Who, who knows? Who knows? And if he, if he brought a girl to the movie Tootsie, odds are Jesse wasn't even paying attention to the movie anyway. Um, continuity, when Joey arrives back after taking Nikki and Alex to the park, he is clearly wearing khaki pants. Not more than a minute later, when Michelle comes in to tell a joke, jo Joey is wearing blue jeans. Huh. Okay, that I definitely need to keep a, a watch a watch for. Definitely. Let's see. Is there any user reviews? No, there isn't. Alright, of course, before I officially get into the episode, I want to let you Tanner newbies know, those jumping on the Tanner train for the first time, a.k.a. the podcast, I want to say welcome. And I want to let you know a couple things about this podcast that sets it apart from other Full House or Fuller House podcasts out there on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. One, this podcast is a family-friendly podcast. It's a podcast for ears of all ages. I wanted to do this so that way those of you out there that want to listen to this like on a speaker, through your car stereo, and if you got little ones... This is safe. You don't got to worry about me dropping F-bombs or S-bombs or whatever bombs. You don't got to worry about that. And I also wanted to not just do this podcast for myself and my own love of the shows and my own memories and growing up with it, but also for those of you out there that have also grown up with it and want to share this show with your kids. You know, unfortunately, Hulu did take the show off, so unless you got the DVDs, the only way to stream this is going to be HBO Max. Now, if you're like me, you know, I, I, I got so many streaming services, and they're coming out my ears. And I'm just like, no, 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 I'm not doing any more. So, definitely, I honestly, personally... I would invest in getting, cause even though I have it, I have the box set, but definitely invest in the box set. You can, you know, it's just, just as, you know, because you love the show and all that good stuff. So, also, speaking of box sets, the Fuller House Complete Series box set also just came out last December, I believe. So, and I did do a giveaway around Christmas time. For a couple copies of, uh, well, uh, a copy of the Fuller House Complete Series. We'll see, maybe around Christmas time. If I could, you know, that's a thing, that the Full, the full House box set is kind of hard to find. And not necessarily the cheapest thing in the world, but, uh, yeah. Anyway... Another thing about this podcast is I don't go in order of episode by episode, season by season. I love to do themes. I think it's fun. Right now we're doing the series episodes. Last month we did in honor of Bob Saget, Danny's career ladder. 
next month in May, I'll be doing from Fuller House in honor of Mother's Day. Last year, I focused on DJ and Kimmy and college viewers. This year, I'm going to focus on Stephanie as a mom and the Mayor's Bird, I believe it is. And then, of course, Bob Saget has a birthday coming up in the middle of May, so I will be covering Old Brown Eyes. So I'm pretty much just going to be covering two episodes next month, just because that way I want to start ramping up for summer and all that. I do have my full list of what I'm going to be doing. I could share that with you just to let you know, you know, after I'm done covering the episode, I could share my little schedule. The thing is with that, schedules do change. So sometimes I'll say, I'm going to do this, and then something, you know, happens in my life, and it's like, okay, i got to change things up and move, you know, shift stuff around and all that. But, uh, yeah, I just thought it would be fun just to do themes. It's just enjoyable, and I love being creative and everything like that. So, another thing, we got uh, social media, of course, to go with the podcast. So, if you want to follow along so you know what episodes or what series I'm doing, each month, just go to Facebook, type in Full House Podcast, Fuller House Podcast, the All My Landed Holy Chulupus Podcast will pop up. Like it, follow it, that way you'll always know what episodes I'm doing for the following month. Also, Instagram at OMHC Full House Fuller House Pod, and Twitter at OMHC Full House. If you'd like to email me, reach out to the podcast, share your Full House, Fuller House memories, favorite episodes, least favorite episodes of either Full House or Fuller House, even your favorite characters of either show, you can do so at omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. You can also, you know, I always put the email address in the episode description, so... Also, if you want to show support for the podcast, I don't do Patreon, I don't ask for money, I just ask for a second of your time. If you could go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and type in Full House or Fuller House Podcast, the All My Land to Holy Chulupas Podcast is going to show up, click on it, scroll down to where it says leave a review, and leave a review. You can use emojis to describe characters or episodes if you want. You can try to trump, tump, <laughs> you can try, try to stump me with some Full House or Fuller House trivia. I would love to see that. All five-star reviews help the podcast get noticed by other Full House and Fuller House fans like yourselves. So, all right, without further ado, let's jump into Silence is Not Golden. Oh, this is such, it's such a sad episode. I gotta say... Step- Jody Sweeten does an amazing job acting here. Even the kid who plays Charles, J.D. Daniels. As well as- and this is really a, a testament to Jesse and Stephanie's relationship. Because Jesse's the one that she confides in. Not Danny or not Joey. And part of me wonders, honestly, how it would have went and she would have confided in Danny. Okay, so it looks like uh, the cold open is actually going to follow into the premise of the show. We got Funny Bunny on the TV. Funny Buddy. Oh, my gosh. 
sorry, on the television, his advertisement about telling jokes. You want to hear another joke? Just call this number. Notice how he says, ask your parents if you can call Funny Buddy. This guy's got a creepy laugh. It's like right up there with Pennywise the Clown. <laughs> uh, we got Michelle and Denise just watching this, and they just look like... They're just... They're, 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 they're just sitting there, just, like, zoning out. They, I don't know whether they're, they're trying to make fun of his creepy laugh or what, because the girls do laugh the same way. <laughs> and then it's like they're just, you know, glazed over eyes and just, like, blank faces. Two dollars a minute. Yeah, that might not seem so bad to a kid, but when you realize... Oh, yeah, I'm not the one who pays the phone bill. Oh, yeah, this probably will show up. Oh, my gosh, I just thought of the Simpsons episode where Lisa is calling the Corey hotline. And uh, she's going to try to beat this little uh, addiction of hers. To the point where she is actually going, you know, using the school phone, using the phone at the doctor's office to call this number. I mean, I didn't just call that soap opera hotline on my dad's phone, you know, at home. I also did that on my grandma's phone. And boy, yeah, I got in trouble with my dad even went so far as to make sure that it was blocked so I couldn't call any 1-900 numbers in the future. Yeah, they were both very, very angry with me. One thing to call like once, but it's another thing to call like every other day or once a week or whatever. I yeah, because I remember it was summertime when I was doing this, so I was calling during the middle of the afternoon. He also funny buddy also says now remember don't forget to ask your parents for permission. So Michelle turns off the TV. Denise turns to her and asks, are you going to call Funny Buddy again? So, yeah, she clearly is already called. And Michelle <laughs> says, I sure am. The last time I told one of his jokes, milk came out my daddy's nose. <laughs> sure, if he found out where you're getting those jokes from, steam will be coming out of his ears in anger. So Denise says she asked her father if she could call, and she does an impression of her dad. Uh, I got her, her dad said, Denise, do you think money grows on trees? I honestly would have said, sweetie, I get you want to call this number, but that phone call costs money. Why not just go and get her, like, 101 jokes, like a joke book or something? And she can just tell jokes from that. Michelle says, my daddy didn't say anything. And Denise says, how come? And Michelle reveals, because I asked him while he was vacuuming the rug. And Denise says, well, he probably didn't hear you. And Michelle just wiggling her eyebrows up and down, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. When Denise says, oh, he probably didn't hear you. Michelle says, that's the idea. And there she goes, calling that number. Ask your parents if you can call your funny buddy at the number on your screen. <laughs> Remember, it's 
dollars a minute. And don't forget to ask your parents. <laughs> Funny buddy again? Sure am. Last time I told one of his jokes, milk came out of my daddy's nose. <laughs> I asked my daddy if I could call, and he said, Denise, do you think money grows on trees? <laughs> my daddy didn't say anything. How come? Because I asked him when he was vacuuming the rug. <laughs> he probably didn't hear you. That's the idea. <laughs> All right, so we see the two Jennifers, Daniel Fischel and Blondie with the braces uh, is the other Jennifer. And then there's two other blonde girls that the Jennifers are talking to. Here comes Stephanie rolling in. All right. So Stephanie comes in. Hey, Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer. Cool shirts. And the blonde one with the braces that Jennifer is like, hey, it's thanks. It's the lady. They both say thank you at the same time. It's kind of creepy. And the blonde Jennifer says, oh, yeah, it's the latest style. Everyone's wearing it. They're wearing denim long sleeve shirts that have. Blonde Jennifer's got the, like, the ruffles going down the front of it, and then, uh, Daniel Fischl, the, uh, brunette, has got, it almost looks like the shirt is like, been washed too many times, because it's starting to fray, and kind of fall apart in the front, but she goes, yeah, it's the latest style. Everyone's wearing it. I'm thinking, who's everyone? I see only you two girls wearing that shir those shirts. And I don't really think they are... The shirts... Mm, no. I'm trying to think if I ever wore denim like that in my life. I don't, I don't think so. So, of course, uh, Brunette Jennifer says, Oh, I got mine at Sassy City. And the blonde-haired girl turns to her and says, Me too! And they both at the same time go, No way! It's like their thing. It's weird. It's almost like these girls share one collective brain. Um, <laughs> actually, honestly, I think that... Oh, we see a couple computers! Because there's a sign that says computer power in rainbow colors off to the side just after you walk... Into the door. Oh, there's also a coat rack there. Here comes Charles wearing a black thermal-looking sh shirt underneath a flannelish multicolored shirt. So, oh yeah, Charles rolls up here and he is all like, "Oh well, well, well." He's already ready to like throw fire here. Look who's blocking the aisles. Two Jennifers and a Stephanie. One brain. Three people. No personality. Okay, he says, two Jennifers and a Stephanie. Three people. One brain. Who shared one brain and no personality. Oh, here, Stephanie kind of looks over at the Jennifers. And, yeah, she throws it back at him, like, Hey, Charles, what do you think of the human race? We want an outsider's opinion. 
So, yeah, they're just throwing jabs at each other. And here comes the teacher saying, okay, Charles, Stephanie, that's enough. Yeah, uh, Stephanie, like, slaps high five with the two Jennifers. nothing inside of it. But, thanks to Charles and Stephanie, they just gave the teacher a great idea for a new assignment. Way to go, you two. It's a writing assignment. Okay. And the teacher says, let's call it Finding the Best in People. Okay, that title's pretty long. Can't you think of something more creative? Like, info exchange, or getting to know you, or, I don't know. Like, and, or, like, you know how they had, like, speed dating back in the day? Call it speed friendship, or some, speed friends, speedy friends, or something, I don't know. So, Charles clearly does not do well with authority. He doesn't do well with anybody, honestly, because he's in his chair, and he's got a leg up on the table. And he says, hey, let's call it 3 o'clock and go home. And the teacher looks at Charles, and she kind of bends down, kind of leveling him with a, like, a, let's call the principal and uh, see what he thinks. And Charles immediately puts his, takes his foot off the table. It's like, dude, where do you think you are? How would that be comfortable? Because he's sitting in a chair... I mean, let me see if I could do that. <laughs> Granted, Ch Charles is, like, 11. But, yeah, I'm putting my foot on my podcasting table and my leg already aches. Granted, I'm going on 40 and uh, Charles is 11, but still. It's like, that would be uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, and of course, teachers got another surprise. Guess what? Stephanie and Charles are going to be paired up as partners because, you know, they inspired this idea for this writing assignment. Oh, she says, I also, I want you to find the best qualities in your partner and write about it. And then you'll share it in front of the class. Oh, boy. <laughs> Nerve wracking. If any of you have ever had a fear of going up in front of the class and, like, reading a report or, or something like that, I always had a fear of that. It was so, so stressful. I'd always try to, like, find a spot on the back wall to stare at soda. Even though it looks like I'm looking at everybody, I'm just staring at a spot on the back wall. But then I, like, get back to my seat and realize I'm, like, drenched in sweat from being, you know, so scared. Oh my gosh! Whoever wrote uh, the trivia about 
The harmonica sound from Roseanne is a hundred. Well, yeah, Roseanne was an ABC show, just like Full House. So Stephanie rolls her eyes when she soon learns that she and Charles are going to be partnered up. And she turns and glares at him, and he does a little fake smile and wave. Like, <laughs> and he laughs, because he loves to torment people. You two have just given me a wonderful idea for our next writing assignment. Let's call it Finding the Best in People. Let's call it 3 o'clock and go home. Let's call it Take Your Foot Off the Table, kid. Let's call the principal and see what he thinks. Yeah. All right. I want you to interview each other, and I want you to find the best qualities in your partner and then write an essay about them. That sounds and too I hard. I think I'm going to pair up <laughs> Stephanie and Charles oh, first since they inspired this. Yep. Yeah, that is a Roseanne theme. Alright, so now we're going to jump into plot... Gosh, I would even call this maybe plot C? Because we do have the main plot, which is Stephanie and Charles. Plot B is going to be Michelle and the funny buddy thing. And then, of course, plot C is Jesse and Steve in the splitting up of Catcher in the Rye. So, yeah, we're in the kitchen. Jesse comes up from the studio basement. And Steve, DJ, and Kimmy are all hanging out, working on homework at the table. And Steve and Jesse both go to grab the, the, the apple that's in the, or was in the fruit bowl. And Steve's like, oh, are you going to eat that? And Jesse said, that might be why my hand's on it. If it won, yeah, Steve asked, do you want that? He's already got, he's already chomping on whatever's in his mouth. I get it, he's a wrestler. He needs that, uh, that energy to burn off and everything, so he's got to, like, carbo load and whatnot. So Jesse asks, oh, who's reading Catcher in the Rye? And Steve's like, ugh, me. <laughs> the book is not that long, and they don't even have the actual cover on there, which I'm sure it went through many cover reprints over the years. Jesse says how he has to do a book report on it for his night school English class. Because wouldn't Catcher in the Rye be commonly known as a classic? Like I said, I, I tried to get into it, and I just, I couldn't. Which I can understand with that. I mean, Jesse... How much he's going to be able to rate, relate to Holden Caulfield, you know, being he's a teenager, Steve probably will more relate to as fa the fact that the guy's a teenager. I thought it, it mainly deals with the main character with, um, you know, he has depression, you know, possible suicide. Um, and... I thought, yeah, it was just, th that book had been challenged in schools, and maybe even today still, because um, I was reading, I believe, it, I think it was either Tiz or Teacher Man by Frank McCourt, and he was teaching English, and he actually was going to teach the Catcher in the Rye to the kids, but the school board said no. They, like, took all the copies. I even think that Frank McCord had even, like, bought the copies for the kids. Or, no, I thought he, like, each kid bring in this much 
change and then I'll go get the copies for you. But then the school board took all the copies and said, no, you're not teaching this filth in this, in this school. We're not allowing that. So this is a highly controversial book that's been around for decades and decades. Yeah, and Steve's like, oh, I gotta do a report for my English class. It's such a drag. And Jesse's like, oh, tell me about it. <laughs> Love how he's bonding with the kids over, like, ah, schoolwork, ugh. And Kimmy, who, I gotta say, I think she may get the worst outfit of the episode because I do not like her flower prints shirt and her, these earrings, clearly, they're, you know, they're made by a set, uh, costume designer. Uh, I don't like those either. I get that they're going with the outfit. They're like poofy, like flowery type earrings, but they're just, they look too, they look like they'd be weighing down her earlobes. And she says, oh, book report? Yeah, you could always do the Gibbler method. Rent the movie! Which, Jesse's like, oh, that's such a dumb idea. Plus, I checked it's not out on video. Because there isn't a movie made about it. There have been movies in regards to the writer J.D. Salinger and him eventually writing Catcher in the Rye. I've not seen them, but I've heard of them. But there's nothing out there in regard to the actual Catcher in the Rye being, you know, a movie about the character Holden Caulfield. There's n no. And I can only imagine that they're probably, maybe even the author, even though the author is long gone, probably had it where my book will never be made into a movie. Like, he has that clause in, like, his will or something like that. He says, Kimmy, that's a terrible idea. And I checked. It's not on video. Even at this point watching this originally when he said it's not on video part of me thought he meant like it's not like it's checked out or something like that at the store or whatever but no it's not and like I said the book is you know what I'm gonna look it up right now and see just how short this book is catcher I can't catcher and there we go right here boom it is, it was, it was not published in 2001. Uh, the, oh, this is the, uh, the paperback. Um, and I don't believe it's 270. I'm going to look and just see how, let me, let me, let me type this in here. Let's see. Uh, sorry guys. Let's see. How long is the book catcher? In the rye. Let's see. 26 chapters. Uh, oh, it says 234 pages, but it says in quotes, may vary. The book does not look that thick, though. It, it really, really doesn't. And the thing is, though, even though the book could be, like, short, it could be a slog to get through. Like, oh, it's really sure you get through it. But if it's, like, bogged down in detail and just you're slogging through it. I, I think the last Nicholas Sparks book I read, uh, The Best of Me, uh, that book was maybe just over 200 pages. And I, I could barely get through it. I, like, pushed myself to get through it. And after that, I'm like, you know what? I'm done with Nicholas Sparks because I, uh... 
that was not a good book in my mind. I did not like it. I think after, for me, after the book Dear John, I started to notice, like, his characters didn't feel nearly as fleshed out as, uh, like, the books of his that I like are <clears throat> The Guardian, A Bend in the Road, and The Rescue. Those are the three that I, I, I've actually never read The Notebook, and I think I did read A Walk to Remember, which is actually set in, like, the 50s compared to the movie that came out in 2002, or was it 2000? That was set in, like, the early aughts. And DJ says, why don't you just read the book? And then Kimmy suggests another method. Or each of you could read half. And Kimmy brings up a great example. Hey, Deej, remember when Kathy and I, Kathy Santoni and I read Much Ado About Nothing? And Deej says, yeah, she read Much Ado and you read nothing. Yeah, remember when Kathy Santoni and I split up Much Ado About Nothing? Like, yeah, she read Much Ado and you read nothing. Jesse thinks this is a great, hey, you might be onto something, Kimberly, or Kimmy. <laughs> Oh, this is a this is a mean dig from Jesse. It's like you know, Kimmy, that's not a bad idea. You're not as dumb as you look. And she kind of like smirks, like, oh. And then she realizes he just insulted her. I'm like, dude, she's a child. Why are you? Mm. But like I said, this is season six. This has been going on since Kimmy was first introduced. And she says thanks. And Jesse says, you're welcome. And then we see Kimmy with a patur or like a confused look on her face. So, yeah, Jesse, like, this is good. All right, so you read the first half and I'll read the second half. So if the book is over 200 pages, I each read 100 pages. Yeah, so basically, Jesse, like, you read the first half, I'll read the second half, and we'll fill each other in. And Steve's like, all right, sounds like a plan. And Jesse and Steve shake on it. And... <laughs> Oh, Jesse with his brother man. He doesn't say brother man. I'm like, all right, brother. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hi. Did you want that? That could be why my hands on. <laughs> Who's reading Catching a Ride? Oh, me. Oh. I got to do a book report on it for my next school English class. Oh, yeah, me too. I got a report due for my class. It's such a drag. Tell me about it. Book report? You guys could try the Gibbler method. Rent the movie. <laughs> I mean, that's a terrible idea. And I checked, it's not on video. Why don't you try reading the book? Or each of you could read half. Hey, Deej, remember when Kathy Santoni and I split up Much Ado About Nothing? Yeah, she read Much Ado and you read nothing. <laughs> no, no, hold, hold, hold on a second. No, no, you know what, Kimmy, that's a good idea. You know what, you're not as dumb as you look. Ow. Thanks. <laughs> no, see, this is good. See, see, you read the first half, I'll read the second half, then we'll fill each other in. Hey, sounds like a plan. All right, right on. So, Joey comes back with the kiddos. Yeah, Nikki and Ellie. I love their different colored zip-up hoodie jackets. Like, one has a yellow one and green, like, plaid-looking pants. And then the other one is wearing a teal zip-up hoodie with a yellow shirt underneath and blue plaid pants. It's so cute. They're so adorable. Jesse's like, hey, we're back. And Jesse gets up like, oh, my boys. Oh, they're cute. They're so cute. 
cute. God, see, this is why it makes me so irritated and angry about how Nikki and Alex were treated in Full House. Like they're two big, giant college dropout goofballs. It's like, really? We've spent from season five onward with these kids. So four years, and then this is how they get treated in Full Fuller House? So, yeah, Jesse takes the twins from Joey and is like, hey, did you guys have fun with your Uncle Joey? And Joey says, oh, yeah, we had the best time at the park. He's wearing, like, cream white khakis. And then he, you know, taking off the shoes, pouring the sand, you know, there in the sandbox. And whatever happened to that sandbox that Michelle had? Of course, they took it out of the backyard. But, um, yeah, and yeah, I don't know what is it with today with kids in sand. And Joey says, Jess, I have no idea. As he pours his, takes his loafers off and pours the sand into the trash. Yeah, Joey, as he takes the shoes off of the boys, he's like, these kids love playing in the sand so much, I think they brought most of it home with them. Home with them. There is so much sand in those shoes. Jesse says she sees the amount of sand being dumped into the trash. Like, these kids could build their own beach. What is it with kids in sand today? Sandboxes. And Joey says, Jess, I have no idea. As he pulls his own shoes off and dumps sand in, into the trash. Oh, Joey's like, all right, boys, let's show Daddy what I taught you. What do we do when we get sand in our mouths? And they both. Nikki and Alex turn to Jesse and go, <laughs> he's basically spitting in his face. I mean, he's kind of like, oh, Joey, really? Don't teach them that. And Jesse's a good influence, Joey. <sighs> so much, I think they brought most of it home with them. <laughs> They're building their own beach. <laughs> what is it with kids and sandboxes, huh? Jess, I have no idea what the attraction is. Okay, boys, let's show Daddy what I taught you. Okay, what do we do when we get sand in our mouths? Ew! It's been insane! Well, here comes Michelle and Denise as Michelle comes into the kitchen, skipping into the kitchen. All right, gather around, ladies and germs. It's time for another joke. Who's ready to hear another joke? She says, it's time for the joke of the day. Denise kind of kicks it off with, okay, what did one penny say to the other? And everyone's like, I, I don't know. And Michelle says, let's get together and make some sense. Yeah, it's it's funny. Ooh, goofy kid jokes. And Steve's like, yeah, that's cute. You guys should go on Jay Leno. <laughs> well, wasn't that show, what was it called? Kids Say the Darnest Things. Wasn't that something that was in the 80s? I, I, I mean, the 90s? I can't remember. Oh, I want to mention this. On the kitchen table, just by Steve's, like, uh, homework book or whatever, there are a banana peel, and it looks like bits of an apple core. And 
what could be remnants of an orange just sitting in the middle. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that apple, by the way, that Steve and Jesse fought over a second ago. Yeah, there's just a bite out of it. Just sitting there, turning yellow. What a waste. Me, myself, though, I honestly would just rather have apple slices. I'm not a fan of the apple skins, so, yeah. So, oh, Joey does a Jay Leto impression saying uh, we have the wonderful Denise and Michelle and they'll be appearing at the, what do you say, Zippies or something in Sandusky, Ohio from the whatever to the whatever. <laughs> yeah, Jesse's holding the twin wearing the teal hoodie and Joey's holding the twin wearing the yellow hoodie. And Jesse asks, where do you two goofballs learn these jokes from? And Denise immediately, from Funny Buddy. It's, it's just, it sounds like they say funny bunny. Michelle's eyes are as big as saucers. Like, Denise, you're going to give us away. And Michelle says, Denise. And Denise turns and looks at Michelle like, what? And Michelle, through clenched teeth, says, let's go play outside. And Denise says, but I don't want to play outside. And Michelle says, believe me, you do. Yeah, Michelle says, trust me, you do. Like, you're going to give me away. Okay, it's joke time. Gather around, ladies and germs. It's time for the joke of the day. Okay, what did one penny say to the other? I don't know what. No. Let's get together and make some sense. It's <laughs> cute. You guys should go on Jay Leno. Yeah, of course, my guests tonight are the fabulous Michelle and Denise, and uh, they'll be appearing at Zany's in wonderful Sandusky, Ohio, the 22nd through the uh, 28th. Two goofballs learn these jokes, though. From Funny Buddy. Denise. What? Let's go play outside. <laughs> I don't want to play outside. Too bad you're doing So it looks like Danny picked Stephanie up from school because he and Stephanie are coming through the door and as Stephanie's saying, Dad, seriously, I'm not exaggerating. Nobody at school or in my class can stand this kid, Charles. She says that he's a total obnoxitron. If you think about it, I don't think we've ever heard Stephanie talk about a classmate like that before. Because... You know, she's never had uh, a problem like that before. And Danny sits down on the couch. He's like, come on, Steph. How bad can he be? And Stephanie says, bad. Fluffner, our class bunny, tried to bite him. And the thing is with that, I was thinking about this yesterday while I was working. This line always kind of made me wonder because, you know, with... I'm not saying that Charles was abusing the rabbit or anything. I'm not saying that. But I think sometimes animals can, you know, get a sense of people and right off the bat. But, you know, or maybe he just mishandled the rabbit or something like that. But, you know, there, you know, there are those that will hurt animals that sometimes will hurt, you know, people. It's, but, um... Yeah, and the thing in, in in a way, it's just, it makes me feel like, not everybody, but, with, you know, people, 
I don't know. I don't even really want to go into that territory because I don't want to sound like I'm making assumptions and stuff like that. That's the thing with rabbit. I mean, it's not like we don't know if Charles was trying to hold the rabbit or he pet him too hard or what have you. We don't know the whole situation. But rabbit, I mean, I've had two rabbits and... Let me tell you, they are, they can be skittish. It's like you got to pick them up a certain way. They feel like their back legs aren't supported. They're going to start kicking. Let me tell you, those back legs are powerful. And if you think about it, deep down, I'm sure that Charles is hurting emotionally. And he's using, like, his classmates, teachers, as an outlet for his anger and and everything. That's the thing they even say about bullies sometimes. Like, you don't know what their home life is like, whether they're lashing out because their parents are, you know, hurting them. And I'm not trying to say that that's an okay thing to do. It's it's not, you know, lo looking for an outlet for your anger and, and your pain and just putting that onto other people and whatnot. But, uh, you know, there is a source for where all of this, his attitude towards authority, his general attitude in general, as he's going to show in a minute when he uh, pops up for uh, a study sesh with Steph. So, DJ and Kimmy come in, Stephanie gets up and says, hey, Deej. Help me out. I gotta do a project with a real jerk. So what? And this irritates me. Is she is comparing? Because she's like, well, DJ, you're used to dealing with someone who's rude and crude. Um, <clears throat> I don't like how she's comparing Charles. She doesn't know his backstory yet or what's going on with him, his home life. But she's comparing Charles to Kimmy, and it just, I, mm. Charles is, is coming at it as an agitator, that's how he's coming at people, it's like, he's, he's basically, yeah, he, he has no respect for anybody, he just, he's, he's lashing out, even at people he's meeting for the first time, yeah, Stephanie says, you have tons of experience of dealing with someone who's rude and crude, and Kimmy, confused look on her face, looks at DJ and says, DJ, do you have a friend I don't know about? Kimmy, come on, who are you kidding? You are her only friend <laughs> that we've ever seen on the show, it seems like. And DJ, you know, tries to put a positive spin on it. Like, look, Steph, sometimes someone can seem obnoxious on the, on the outside, but once you spend time with them, really get to know them, become friends with them... You realize they're not so bad. And Kimmy's just like, who is this person? <laughs> oh, Danny's like, Steph, come here. Look, I'm sure that Charlie seems like... <laughs> yeah, I know that. And I don't <laughs> get where Danny comes off calling this kid Charlie. Like, I know he might seem like a jerk, but... You know, some people might surprise you. There's good in everybody as Becky comes along with a laundry basket. And Danny brings up a guest that they had interviewed, like Tommy 
Dunn or something. Tommy Bunn is the guy's name. And I don't know who this guy is, but Becky immediately shares her dislike. Yeah, what a jerk. And Danny's like, yes, he did charge over a million dollars on other people's credit cards. What? Who is this guest? Are you interviewing a criminal? Is that what Wake Up San Francisco wants their viewers to see? And Danny, of course, I get where he's coming from. He's trying to present that people might seem bad, but if you really get, you know, like, get to... Yeah, and then he's like, oh, you remember later in the interview where uh, he showed us a different side of himself? And Becky says, yeah, he tried to moon us. Oh, no, he didn't try to, he did moon them. What? What is this nonsense? Are they that hard up for people to interview? They'll just interview a criminal? And Danny's like, no, before that, you know, when he told us all that other stuff, you know how he used to carpool. Granted, it was a stolen car, and he was fleeing the country. What? What? Who? Huh? Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Who? Mr. Strawbridge, sir, why did you feel this man was someone that you needed to interview as a guest on your show? This is nuts. This is crazy. Maybe the audience is like, hey, we need, we need like, less cookie-cutter type people to interview. We want someone who's bad to the bone. Someone who... <laughs> oh this is... But I bet it brought in the viewership. I really, really like... Next week, uh, Wake Up San Francisco. Meet a man who charged over a million dollars on people's credit cards and also got caught trying to flee the country in a stolen car. See, and, and, oh my god, I'm just, oh man, I mean, that, that alone, I, I think would bring in, like, oh my gosh, I gotta catch that episode, I gotta tape that episode of Wake Up San Francisco, and Stephanie says, oh, I wish he had taken Charles with him, and Danny is like, come on, sweetie, be nice to him, maybe it'll rub off, ding, 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 there's the doorbell, and Stephanie says, battle stations, Stuff. He told us how he used to carpool. Of course, it was a stolen car. <laughs> and he, he was fleeing the country. I wish he had taken Charles with him. Come on, sweetie. Be nice to him. Maybe it'll rub off on him. 
battle stations. It'll be nice. Danny is just, I, I get that he's like, there's good in everybody. It's like, dude, you haven't even met this kid yet. Oh my god, this kid, the way that he comes in and he just starts tearing, he, he just, we'll get there. So, Stephanie's like, alright, I'll be nice to him. So, she goes to answer the door. So, Stephanie opens the door, and she's like, hi, Charles, nice to see you. And he looks at her and he's like, yeah, wish I felt the same. <laughs> Immediately just cutting up. Again with the leather jacket. I mean, it's just, again, it just, it makes me think of Peter from the Mighty Ducks. He was always wearing a leather jacket. When Charles walks down the steps into the living room, you kind of see his eyes kind of looking around like he's taking in everything, probably. Um, he's wearing a black backpack that's got neon pink around the edges of the, the pocket of the front of the book bag and then also the top. Which is interesting because I think Jesse wears a black shirt that's got the same kind of, like, pink around, like, the cuff of the sleeve. So, yeah. So... Stephanie introduces Charles to everyone, and I can understand later when he says what he says about Stephanie's mom, because Becky is sitting next to Danny on the couch, so he probably would just assume, like, that's Stephanie's parents. And what sounds at first like a compliment is, uh, <laughs> Charles says, hey, Steph, I see where you get your good looks. And Danny says, well, thanks. Well, thank you. And then what Charles says next, Danny's like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> he didn't say excuse me, but he looks like, okay, um, <laughs> maybe this kid is uh, not as, I'm, he's starting to believe what Stephanie's saying. He says, <laughs> yeah, I didn't say good looks. Yeah, that moment just like Danny's realizing like, hey, Stephanie actually uh, isn't wrong after all. <laughs> I'm starting to believe her. And Charles just wants to get it done and leave. Like, can we just do the assignment here? I don't need to be introduced to all of your family members. And with a house this big, I'm sure there's a lot of them. <laughs> and then Stephanie says, <laughs> cool, kind of caps there. I can hardly wait. Dang. Ugh. I mean, if you ever had to be paired up in a group project or with, with anyone, whether it's, like, another person or a handful of people that you, or, like, who could be, like, the class bully or someone you just kind of seems like kind of a, you know, jerk, not really nice. Even if you're being paired on a project like supposed to last like a whole school week, that can feel like a million years. And it just <laughs> I mean even even Jeremy told me he's like he never liked working on I don't know anybody that likes working on projects with other people. Me myself, when I had the option to work alone, I worked alone. I just I just it, it just was really the times that I had to be in a group of people 
I was, you know, and I was shy and everything, so I really didn't input a whole, a whole lot, but it's just like, the people that, you know, knew each other probably hung out with each other outside of class, you know, they'd all be, you know, chit-chatting and whatnot, and barely get the assignment done, and I'd be there like a bump on a log, just, oh my goodness. When Danny, or, uh, when Charles and Stephanie go, start heading up the stairs, Danny says, Maybe there isn't good in everybody. Yeah, definitely the commentary is flowing as soon as Stephanie and Charles are upstairs. DJ says, what a brat. And Becky says, someone needs to teach that kid some manners. And I'm just like... And part of me honestly really wonders, from what we learn later on, if Charles was already like this prior to... Everything that we learn, or if just with everything that went, you know, with his his dad and what we learn about his mom, if maybe he's just, he's an angry young boy who is just lashing out because he doesn't know how to um, correctly express his feelings without um, hurting people. I, guess. I, I don't know. I don't know. Part of me wonders if Charles was always like this or whether just things that happened in his life kind of made him kind of turn sour. And Kimmy, of course, is like, hmm, I wonder if he has an older brother. I don't think he does, Kimmy. Kimmy, come on, you can do better than that. You want some guy to, like, insult you and push you around. Definitely had shorter than Maybe there isn't good in everybody. What a brat. Somebody needs to teach that kid manners. I wonder if he's got an older brother. Kimmy, come on now. So I don't understand why they gotta do the assignment in the bedroom. Why don't they just do it at the kitchen table or something? Or are there people in there? There's people in every room of the house. So he comes in and he's already slamming on a room, like, oh, whose room is this? Rainbow Bright? And he, like, he's got dimples, and he's, like, sticking a finger towards his, his dimple. Like, kid, come on. And Stephanie just rolls around, like, can we just do the assignment and get this done? Thank you. So she flips open her binder with her lined paper and asks him, what did you do today that was nice? And he says, well, I didn't stick bubblegum in anybody's chair. And Stephanie just was like, what a prince. <laughs> this assignment of finding the best in each other or the good qualities of a person, I just, <laughs> this just sounds like a really weak sauce assignment. Come on, Charles, you've been alive for 11 years. There's got to be something nice that you've done at least once in your life, right? So here comes little Miss Michelle, and 
Charles is going to rag on her. Like, oh, look, it's half a person. Ken, do you got to add commentary to every, everything, every person that you encounter? So Michelle comes up behind Stephanie's chair and puts her... Yeah, it's like she's got a I-know-something-you-don't-know type of uh, look on her face. Like, oh, Stephanie. Yeah. Charles was like, oh, look, it's half a person. That doesn't make any sense. And Michelle's got this, her face kind of scrunched up like, you have a bad attitude. Yes, sweetie, he does have a bad attitude. And Michelle, or Michelle, Stephanie looks at Michelle's like, oh, what what's going on, Michelle? What do you need? We're studying. I want to get this over with so we can get Charles out of here. This kind of is the thing that kicks off what's going to come up. Michelle says, you're in big trouble with Dad. Big, 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 big. And Stephanie cuts her off like, okay, I get it. I'm in big trouble. What did I do? You forgot to take the trash out. And Stephanie's like, ooh, yeah. And apparently that's the second time this week that she's forgotten. Uh, when Michelle goes big, 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 we cut to Charles, and he has a look of, like, he's identifying with that, with what he's probably thinking, then you're in big trouble with that, yeah. He's probably thinking to himself, like, oh, does she get hit too? Because that's kind of, he assumes that that's the case. But gone is the jokester is is the insult kid because he's got a look his face is so it's he's solemn looking and he is just it's like alarm bells are going off in his ear in his head. Yeah, you forgot to take the garbage out again, Stephanie. And Stephanie goes, uh oh and Michelle says Dad said he'd deal with you later. Just thought you'd like to know. Michelle, go away. What she says, just thought you'd like to know. She's got this smirky smile on her face, like, you're in trouble and I'm not. So, oh my gosh. See, this is another thing. We'll get to this later about how they really should have been disciplining Michelle from early on. They let her have the reign of that house, and it definitely shows in her reaction to be being punished. And Charles says, oh, wow, I, I guess you're really in, in for it now, aren't you? And he's not, he's not being sarcastic. He's not trying to make a joke of this. He's not, none of that. It's almost like he feels like he can identify with this situation because he is very familiar with it. And the words that Stephanie says, like, yeah, that's twice this week. My dad's going to flip out on me. So, again, alarm bells. The word flip out. Like, she is, I mean, Stephanie is exaggerating. I don't think Danny's going to be screaming in her face. But he will most likely give her a lecture as to the importance of taking out the trash and what that means. And, you know, you don't want a house full of critters and creepy crawlies running around because you're not taking out the trash. So, what, Charles is still under the under, the understanding that Stephanie also gets physically abused. He's like, you know what? Try, try thinking of a funny movie. 
like Home Alone or Roger Rabbit. You know, that always helps me. And Stephanie's got a confused look on her face, like, well, what do you mean? He says, you know, that's what I always do when I'm getting it. And Stephanie asks, getting what? And he, and Charles says, you know, when your dad's pounding you. He, the way that he is talking about it, because he already has it in his mind, like, he is sharing, like, this with another, with a confidant. With someone else who has a shared experience like him, just based on the wording that is being used. As in, he'll deal with you later, my dad's gonna flip out on me. And, and just those key words are just like... Yeah, and he's like... Yeah, when she says... He says, you know, that's what happens when... You know, that's what I do when I'm getting it. And somebody asks, getting what? And he says, you know, when, when your dad's pounding on you. And Stephanie... You, you mean hitting? And Charles is like, yeah. It almost seems like maybe in a way like he thinks like this is her first time, like her dad's going to, you know, hit her or something like that. So he's like, yeah, you know, this helps me when I'm getting, you know, hit by my dad and stuff like that. Like, it's almost like saying like you go to a place in your head, like you kind of mentally leave your body while this is going on to help kind of, uh, you know, lesson, like, you just kind of just go out of your head and just, while everything's, you just go to a safe place in your head to kind of, to escape what's going on. And Stephanie says, you mean hitting? And Charles nods. And she says, my dad never hits me. But then she asks, like, it's clicking in her head, like, does yours hit you? And Charles immediately starts to backpedal. He's like, uh, no, no. But Stephanie latches on to, as she says, but you said you always think of a funny movie. Does he hit you a lot? And he, he just, he, he wants to get off this because he now knows, like, no, she isn't experiencing, she hasn't experienced you know, she's not being physically abused by her father. So, and, and it almost feels like, oh, I've said too much. I've said too much. Uh, he says, no, just just forget it. Let's do the assignment. Yeah, when she says, but you said you always think of a funny movie. Do you get hit a lot? And he is like, immediately, it's like, look. Look, let's just, I didn't mean anything about it, okay? Please, let's just do the assignment. It almost feels like Charles is being backed into a corner, like, I've said too much, like, how can I, he, it's like he's pan he's panicking, he's panicking. Like, I've said too much, what if she opens her mouth, what if she says something to the school, you know, and, and just that kind of thing. And Stephanie, such a good-hearted girl, says, Charles, you can trust me. Yeah, she says, you can trust me, I swear. And he kind of points the end of his pencil at her and says, no, I don't care if you swear on your mother's life. And, Ste oh my God, it's like, she said, in a really quiet voice, she says, 
And she's kind of looking down. She's not looking at Charles. She says, my, my mother is not alive. And Charles says, oh, I'm sorry. Mine's not alive either. And I was thinking, you know, <clears throat> in the years, you know, since I watched this episode and just preparing for doing this episode for the podcast, you know, thoughts get, you know, jumbled in my head and I just, you know, I'm just kind of turning things over in my mind and I'm just thinking about how, and I've seen this in, you know, some movies, maybe TV episodes where the mother is absent, the father is overworked and he can't control his temper. Or maybe it's a case where, yeah, the mother has passed away, the father is sad, he doesn't know how to deal with his anger, so maybe he drinks. We don't know this about Charles's father. We don't really learn why he's like this or, or, or any of that. And part of me thinks is that maybe Charles's father is, you know, because the wife is not in the picture anymore, he's you know, working a lot, and Charles, you know, and I'm not excusing, in no way am I excusing that man's behavior for how he is treating his son, but, I don't know, honestly, I just think that some, it just seems like, in these situations, there's always, like, a parent that's not there because they've left, or they've passed, and the remaining parent feels overloaded with working and child caring and Charles being, you know, getting into trouble in school and everything. And his father has to come down and talk to the school and everything, you know, for whatever reason. It's like, you think, I mean, you would think that Charles, with the situation that he's in, would not want to draw attention to himself in a way that is going to get him into, into trouble. That would result in his father having to make a trip to the school for the principal's office. It's just, I don't know. That's just kind of my thoughts ruminating in my head. And when he says, my mother's not alive either. And... Stephanie, you know, I'm sorry. So, Charles tries to explain this to Stephanie, like, look, the truth is, my dad does hit me sometimes. But, and then he immediately goes into blame mode as he's blaming himself for his own actions, like, I deserved it because I did this. Yeah, he says, well, the truth is, my dad does hit me sometimes, but it's my own fault for taking him off. And Charles is thinking back to last week. He says, boy, did he clobber me last week. And Stephanie recalls that. She's like, oh, wait a minute. So you may, like, when you came to school with a black eye, you said you walked into a door? And Charles says, yeah, a door named Dad. Oh, my. I mean, the fact that he's punching his kid to the point where he's getting a black eye. And Stephanie, she is really tentatively, like, walking on eggshells. She is, like, trying to choose her words as carefully as possible. She says, maybe you should tell someone. And he, Charles immediately starts panicking. Like, 
He is scared that someone's going to find this out. He's probably going to be taken from his home. Just all these thoughts and fears are running around in his mind. He's, he, 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 start, he says, no, no, okay, look, I can't tell anyone, and neither can you. So, I can't believe it's already 5.30, because he asks, like, what time is it? And Stephanie looks at her watch and says, 5.30? And Charles, oh my gosh, I didn't know that they'd been, what time, it seems like they just got there. I, I mean, I didn't, they haven't even been sitting there that long. So, Charles is like, shoot, I forgot to call my dad and tell him it's going to be late, he's going to kill me. And he, he starts gathering his stuff up. Yeah, he starts gambling. He's like, I gotta go. I gotta go. He is, like, just racing to try to get his stuff and get out of there. And Stephanie's like, but Charles! And Charles levels her with a stare as he's standing up. He says, Steph. You, Steph. You gotta swear to me. You're not gonna tell anybody about this as long as you live. Okay? Swear it. Yeah, he says, you can't tell anybody about this as long as you live. Alright, ever. You got it? Okay. This is... This... This breaks my heart. This is, kid is going through this, and he is so scared of what could happen if somebody finds out. Like, if somebody finds out, his dad finds out, finds out that he's too old, then he's gonna get hit worse. Or he's scared that he's probably going to be taken away from the only home that he knows and, and put in a foster home or something like that. And she says, okay, I swear. And he races out. Of, it's almost like he, he like, you seriously, you, you have to promise, you have to swear this. And he runs out of the room and she, oh, she just feels so guilty and just, she's never encountered a situation like this or someone who's going through this like as soon as he stands up that that music kicks in and it just it just your heart is wrenching you feel for this boy I mean yes he you know causes trouble in class and, you know picks arguments and stuff and whatnot but there is something else below the surface it's like you, like they say, you don't really know someone's situation. And you can spend so much time judging someone by how they act on the outside. Like, you have no idea, like, how hurt this boy is that he is asking her to keep a secret so he can, you know, he's just scared of what could happen if the secret gets out. <clears throat> Whose room is this? Rainbow Bright? <laughs> Let's just do the assignment. Okay, what did you do today that was nice? Well, uh, I didn't put bubble gum in anyone's chair. <laughs> what a prince. Oh, Stephanie. Oh, look, it's half a person. <laughs> you got bad attitude. What is it, Michelle? We're studying. You're in big trouble with that. Big, 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 big. Okay, big. okay. 
do with you later. I just thought you'd like to know. <laughs> well, I guess you're really in for it now, huh? Yeah, that's twice this week. My dad's gonna flip out on me. Well, you know what helps? Try thinking of a funny movie, like, like Home Alone or Roger Rabbit. That's what I always do when I'm getting it. Getting what? Well, you know, when your dad's pounding you. You mean hitting? My dad never hits me. Does yours hit you? No, just just, just forget it. What, what's the use But you said you always think of a funny movie. Do you get hit a lot? Look, I didn't mean anything by it. Just forget it, okay? Let's do the assignment. Charles, you can trust me, I swear. No, I don't care if you swear on your mother's life. My mother is not alive. Oh, I'm sorry. Mine's not alive either. I'm sorry. Look. Thing is, my dad does hit me sometimes, but it's my own fault for ticking him off. Boy, did he really clap at me last week. You mean when you came to school with that black guy and you said you walked into a door? Yeah, door named Dad. Maybe you should tell someone. No, no. I, I can't tell anyone, and neither can you. What time is it? 5.30. I got to phone my dad and tell him I was gonna be late. He's gonna kill me! I gotta go! I gotta go! To Charles! Steph, you gotta swear to me. You can't tell anyone as long as you live. Ever. Got it? Okay? Okay. I swear. Looks like we are back. It's interesting yeah, that uh, Stephanie and Michelle still go to the same elementary school. And <clears throat> it's the next day at school, and oh, Stephanie's also wearing oh, that's yeah, she's wearing denim now, even though the two Jennifers are wearing something, some floral print type of thing. And Stephanie is talking to a couple, I think the same two blonde girls that uh, the two Jennifers were talking to in the uh, opening scene. So, yeah, the blonde Jennifer is like, oh, hey, Stephanie, new shirt? And Stephanie says, yeah, as you said, it's the latest style. And uh, brunette Jennifer says, yeah, that was yesterday. Now, apparently the floral prints... Because the blonde-haired Steph, the blonde-haired Jennifer has got a floral vest over a black turtleneck. And the brunette Jennifer is wearing a, I'm guessing like a floral-type dress over like a white t-shirt. And Stephanie is so hard up to please these two girls. She's like, oh, haven't you heard? It's coming back after lunch. And both Jennifers look at each other and say, no way! I, these girls just, they share one collective brain. <laughs> I'm sorry to say it, but, ugh. I just, I don't understand what the appeal is of Stephanie, you know, forming her opinions based on what these girls are wearing. And I was like, come on, have your own style, stand out from the crowd. Even the girl that Stephanie was talking to, one of the blonde girls, is wearing a floral print outfit. 
The teacher comes in and she says, Morning, class. Uh, Stephanie, it looks like we're going to have to find you a new partner. And Stephanie is surprised. She's like, what, what, wait a minute, I thought I was working with Charles. And the teacher says, well, he's going to be out all week. He had an accident. Oh, my gosh. What? And, of course, the two Jennifers are like, he is the accident. And Stephanie turns around and says, hey, stop it. It's not funny. Because she knows in, in code what that means, what type of, the fact that he's going to be out all week. Like, what happened? Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, uh, blonde Jennifer goes, he is an accident. And, of course, the brunette Jennifer, like, laughs along with her. And the other kids are chuckling, too, because they can't stand Charles. And Stephanie sticks up for him. She's like, hey, cut it out. That's not funny. And, of course, the brunette Jennifer says, hey, don't have a freak attack. <sighs> so, uh, the teacher... Says, all right, that's enough. Let's take our seats. And Stephanie definitely wants to find out, like, what exactly happened. She's like, Miss Patterson, what kind of accident did Charles have? And apparently it's Charles's father that got hold of the teacher or the principal. And she says, well, his father says he fell down the stairs. Oh, my gosh! Oh, my gosh! That could kill a person. Oh my gosh. And the fact that he is calling. We don't know if Charles is in the hospital. We don't know any of that. And odds are if he's abusing his son, he's gonna he does a last thing he wants is for anyone to find out. So he's probably not gonna take his kid to the hospital, or if he is, he's gonna be making up a story like, oh he fell down the stairs. And yet again, you hear that music kick in, and Stephanie and Dawn's are, she says, oh no. Like, she knows what that means. Like, no, he did not fall down the stairs. He was most likely probably thrown down the stairs, or pushed down, or, or something. Yes. Oh my gosh. All for coming home, home. <sighs> Stephanie approaches Miss Patterson's desk. And she immediately wants to break that promise. Like, she knows in her heart that she can't stay silent anymore. She needs to protect her friend. And the teacher takes a seat behind her desk and asks, What is this, Stephanie? And Stephanie, as much as she wants to tell her, she says, It's nothing. She's protecting Charles. But even Jesse's going to bring up, like, I know you want to protect your friend Charles, but... And we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Hi, Stephanie. New top? Yeah, like you said, it's the latest style. But that was yesterday. Oh, haven't you heard? It's coming back again after lunch. No way! Stephanie, I'm afraid we're going to have to find you another partner for your assignment. Why? I thought I was working with Charles. Well, he's going to be out all week. He had an accident. He is an accident. <laughs> hey, cut it out. That's not funny. Hey, don't have a freak attack. All right, that's enough. Let's take our seats. Mrs. Patterson? Yeah. Uh, what kind of accident did Charles have? 
Well, his father said he fell down the stairs. Okay, so Michelle and Denise run into the kitchen. So silly. Like, okay, who wants to hear another joke? And the fact that she's probably calling this number on a daily basis. So, and the, Steve, Steve's there with DJ, and it's just, they don't want to hear another joke. They're, they're over the whole joke thing. It was cute the first couple times, so now that it's been, like, a daily basis, like, enough's enough girls. Both DJ and Steve are like, oh, They both groan, like, no more. Like, you know, I was like, you can only fake interest for so long in this. Denise, and Denise kind of chastised, like, don't you two have a sense of humor? I'm like, I think that went out the door, like, after the first couple times of those jokes. Becky's there setting the table and says, of course they do. Come on, give the girls some encouragement. Besides, they look up to you. Well, they look up to everybody because they're small. And Becky kind of makes her own joke. Well, actually, they look up to everyone. <laughs> Just laugh. Like, Becky, like, slams that uh, handful of silverware down on the Ugh. <laughs> What's a frog's favorite drink? And they're like, I have no idea. I don't know what. And Michelle says, Croak a cola. <laughs> and the guy, both DJ and Steve are like, <laughs> and then they like exaggeratedly laugh. And then Becky kind of like does the uh, sliding motion across her neck. Like, okay, that's it. That's enough. <laughs> Becky starts laughing. <laughs> then she like smacks Steve on the shoulder and he and DJ start laughing. And then Becky does the, okay, that's enough. So, Stephanie comes in the back door, and Michelle asks, Hey, Steph, you want to hear a joke? And Steph's like, nah. And Michelle says, it's really funny. They laughed their heads off. Well, they were doing it just for show, sweetie. <laughs> they didn't actually find it funny. And Stephanie tells Michelle, I'm not really in the mood for a joke right now. So, Michelle says, hey, let's go tell Nikki and Alex. And Denise says, yeah, they'll laugh at anything. Well, they're toddlers, so. probably because he wanted to get peace and quiet while he was writing and also writing down notes on his half of Catcher in the Rye. It's like, all right, Steve, let's blow through this Catcher in the Rye so that way we can write this report and be done with it. 
And Steve's like, yeah, no problem. I finished my half. How was yours? And Jesse says, mm, my half wasn't wasn't that bad. And Steve's like, yeah, I gotta admit, I like my half too. And Steve's like, yeah, I'm dying to know, dying to know how I, how uh, it ends and everything. I'm dying to know what happens. And Jesse says, yeah, I'm dying to know what happens before it happens. So, alright, so Jesse, of course, has got a legal pad in front of him so he can jot down notes about the first half of the book. And Steve says, well, first of all, Holden Caulfield gets kicked out of school. And Jesse's like, yeah, I was wondering why he had all that time on his hands. It didn't mention, like, later on. I'm sure it would have mentioned more than once that, you know, he was kicked out of school. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, I noticed he had a lot of time on his hands, but I didn't know why. Really? That wouldn't have been brought up more than what? Who, who knows? And Steve says, yeah, it was really funny. I was laughing out loud. I love how Jesse does the gesture, like, with the hand, like, uh, okay, yeah, and? <laughs> he says, yeah, what was so funny? And she says, well, he was saying funny things, and it was funny, man. Um, <laughs> you split the book in half, he probably read, like, a hundred pages. You at least said that he got kicked out of school. It's like, well, and then what happened? And Steve is like, oh, yeah, well, the characters were, like, acting funny and, you know, saying funny stuff. It was funny, man. I love how Jesse is, like, kind of like, okay, first half of the book, funny, man? And Steve's like, well, I'm trying to explain it the way that, you know, he explained it in the book. I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, first of all, you said he got kicked out of school, and then what did he do? Did he go home? Did he hang out with his friends? What? Yeah, Steve says, I'm trying to explain it. I just can't explain it as good as he wrote it. And Becky comes over and says, you know, guys, this is why most people read both halves of the book. And Jesse's like, that's it. I'm done with shortcuts. shortcuts. I'm just going to read the whole book all the, all the way through. I missed a lot of good things. And Steve compares this to, yeah, it's only... It's like ordering a pizza and only stopping after and stopping after six slices. I I would not be able to down six slices, not in one sitting. I mean, maybe if I hadn't eaten in a couple days, but I don't know. That mmm. And Jesse compares it to like only seeing half a movie, and then he mentions how he walked into Tootsie late once, and I, he says I kept saying to myself, "Who is that ugly woman?" Well, did you stay for the whole movie? Because event sure, eventually it would have been revealed that it was Dustin Hoffman. And Steve's like, or uh, Jesse says, come on, we got some reading to do. And they start walking out of the kitchen. And Steve says, you know, in Tootsie, that was a guy. And Jesse kind of looks at him like, what? <laughs> All right, Steve, I finished my half. Let's blow through this kitchen to write report, huh? All right, no problem. I finished my half. Hey, how was yours? My half wasn't, uh... They're gonna co-write yeah, the book report. I gotta admit, I like my half too. I'm, I'm, I'm dying to find out what happens. Yeah, I'm dying to find out what happens before it happens. Lay it on me. <laughs> okay, well, um, first, you know that guy Holden, he gets yeah. kicked out of school. Oh yeah, I noticed he had a lot of time on his hands, but I didn't know why. Good, okay. Okay, um, it, it was really funny. I, I was laughing out loud. Okay, and. <laughs> oh, so funny. Oh, 
oh, well, you know, the characters were acting funny and, uh, and, and, and saying all this funny stuff. Right. It, it was funny, man. <laughs> First half of the book, funny, man. I, I'm, I'm trying to explain it. I just can't say it as good as he wrote it. You know, guys, this could be why most people read both halves of the book. Nah, this is ridiculous. No, no, I'm, I'm done with shortcuts. I'm going to read the whole book because I missed a lot of good things. Well, yeah, you know, it, it's like ordering a pizza and then stopping after only six slices. <laughs> yeah, I like, like only seeing half a movie. I remember I walked into Tootsie late once and I kept saying to myself, who is that ugly woman? <laughs> Come on, I've got some reading to do. Hey, you know, uh, in Tootsie, that was a guy. While DJ and Becky are setting the table for dinner, Becky says, you know, DJ, I think that your Uncle Jesse is going to be a positive influence for Steve. And DJ says, yeah, and even if his grades don't improve, his hair is going to look great. I'd say Steve's hair already looks good. You know, DJ, I think that your Uncle Jesse is going to be a really positive influence on Steve. Yeah, and even if his grades don't improve, his hair is going to look great. Now we're in the living room. We see Danny and Joey walking down the stairs as Danny is holding on to the phone bill and saying, Joey, look at this phone bill. Two dollars, six dollars, three dollars. So my guess is what was it? Two dollars a minute? So did she stay on the line? Long enough to hear, what, three different jokes? I don't know. And Joey immediately gets offended. He's like, Danny, I have never called a 976 number in my life. Danny kind of levels Joey with a look like, come on, Joey, who do you think you're fooling? And Joey says, all right, I tried that dating service, but I stopped after I got my Aunt Frida. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Honestly, do you really have to resort to calling a dating service to get a date? Come on. And Danny says, you know, Joey, I'm not accusing you. I'm just asking you. And Joey says, why is it whenever something happens, like, I'm the first to be asked? I mean, cheese is in the hamper, and I'm the one who ends up getting blamed. And Danny looks at Joey and says, Gouda was in your pants. Ew, Joey, clean your pockets up. Why is Joey not doing his own laundry? It almost makes it sound like they do everyone's laundry together. Well, Joey is a grown man. He can do his own laundry. And Joey says, like, you never left a wedge of cheese in your pants. No, Joey, no sane person would leave a wedge of cheese in their pants. I would think um, if... Even if you left one of those, like, little baby bell type, like, the tiny cheese that it's, like, wrapped in some type of, uh, slick, uh, covering, plastic, whatever, it would still start to stink. And you run that through the raw, your, your clothes are gonna be nasty. I think I left something in my work pants that was, like, I don't know whether it was a Kleenex or something, and it kind of got onto other clothes, and Jeremy wasn't happy with that. So they just check your pants, your work pants, before you put them into 
the hamper. Because he does the laundry and stuff. So, Danny plays detective like, look, I'm just going to call the number right now and see what it is. And Denise comes in with Michelle trailing behind her like, does anyone want to hear another joke? And Danny's, you know, on the phone. And Michelle says, how can you tell if there's a elephant in the refrigerator? Or an elephant's been in your refrigerator? And apparently that's the joke of the day because Danny says, by the footprints in the butter. And Danny does his own little funny buddy. <laughs> Accusingly, Danny asks, how did you know that? And Danny says, your funny buddy just told me. And Denise looks at Michelle like, ooh, you're busted. Yeah, Michelle says, after Danny says, your funny buddy just told me. Michelle says, uh, oh. And then Denise says, you're busted. <laughs> but of course, Danny turns to Joey and says, Joey, you were right. I'm sorry. Surprise to the wrongly accused. And... Danny asks Joey if he'll drive Denise home because he wants to talk to Michelle about her funny buddy phone bill. So as Danny or as Joey is escorting Denise to the front door, I just like to see as he said, I just like to say in this wonderful land we call America, everyone is innocent until proven guilty. And then he starts to sing "My Country Tis of Thee" that song. This phone bill, two dollars, six dollars, three dollars. Damn, <clears throat> I have never called a nine seven six number in my life. Yeah, right, Joey. Okay, once. I tried that dating service, but I stopped after I got my aunt Frida. Sorry, I am not accusing you. I'm just asking you. Well, why am I always the one who gets asked? I mean, somebody leaves cheese in the hamper right away. It's my fault. The Gouda was in your pants. <laughs> Like you never left a wedge of cheese in your pants. <laughs> I'm just going to call this number myself and just see what it is. Does anybody want to hear another joke? Not really. How could you tell if there's an elephant in the refrigerator? By the footprints in the butter. How <laughs> little jokes repeat themselves? How do you do that? Already. Your funny buddy just told me. Joey, you were right. I'm sorry. Now, could you do me a favor and drive Denise home? Because I want to talk to Michelle about her funny buddy phone bill. Certainly, but in this wonderful land of ours that I like to call America, everyone is innocent until proven guilty. My country tis of thee. I love you people, sweet land. So, Danny sits on the couch and faces Michelle, so he is eye-level with her. He says, Michelle, did you know that these funny buddy phone calls cost money? And she says, yes, I did. And Danny's like, okay, you did. Did you know that every call you make shows up on this bill? And Michelle, you know, being honest, like, no, but I wish somebody had told me. And, and Danny's just kind of, so you know you were doing wrong, but you went and did it anyway? And Michelle says, I'm really sorry, Daddy. I'll never do it again. She turns around and goes to race out of the room, and Danny's like, hold it. Not so fast. And she starts going, like, in slow motion with her feet, and Danny says, I mean, come back here, please. When she turns around, she stomps back to Danny. Like, girl, you know you did wrong. 
You know you're in trouble. You need to just face facts and face the music. Danny takes her hand and says, you know, sometimes saying you're sorry is not enough. And Michelle says, sometimes it is. So Danny says, well, not this time. Every night this week, you're going to go to bed an hour early. Because I want you to think about what you did. Paul says, I want you to think about what you did wrong. That's why you're going to bed an hour early every night this week. And, of course, Michelle's like, but, Daddy, that's not fair. I'm thinking, and he says, well, I think it is fair. I'm like, sweetie, you did wrong. You apologizing isn't going to make up for the fact that now we have an expensive phone bill. It's like, you guys really, and even when they went to punish her and the devil made me do it, that episode was, um, I'll cover, you know, probably next year, it was Jesse and Michelle's episodes. Uh, yeah, she just runs away because she doesn't want to face punishment. And she's so into getting her own way and not being punished all the time when, when someone does lay down the law, she retaliates by running away or throwing a hissy fit and just talking about how her dad's a horrible human being. And she's like, but, and he's like, no, no buts, I want you upstairs right now, go. And turns around like she's doing the sad face, and Danny just points a finger like, go, upstairs. And then she's stomping up the stairs, she's like, Danny is so mean, right, you never lets me do anything. It's like, girl, you've had your way for too, too long in that house. You've gotten your own way, and you've not been punished half the time. So, yeah, that's why I'm like, no, they needed to punish her more often. And Well, not so much just punish her, but more the fact of lay down the rules of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And not to mention the mouthy, I mean, as much as we as kids growing up thought it was adorable and cute, this child talking back to adults, like, I, I bet anything, no way would Pam have uh, stood for that sass mouth. I, I don't think. No way. Yeah, she's saying... I can't make phone calls, Daddy. So many. you know what? I would have went. I would have went a step further. Like, hey, sweetie, um, until these funny buddy phone calls, however much the total came to, gets paid off, you're not getting an allowance until this gets paid. Your allowance is gonna go to paying this off. I mean, it's only fair. She made the phone calls. She knew that they cost money, but she did it anyway. That's the thing. Is be lucky that that's not. Charles's father handing down. Oh my goodness gracious sake. No. Michelle? Did you know these funny buddy calls cost money? Yes, I did. You did? Did you know that every call you make shows up on this bill? No, but I do wish somebody told me. <laughs> so, so you knew you were doing wrong, but you still went ahead and did it? I'm really sorry, Daddy. I'll never do it again. Hold it. Not so fast. <laughs> I mean, come back here, please. You know, sometimes saying you're sorry is not enough. But sometimes it is. Well, not this time, okay? Every night this week, you're going to go to bed an hour earlier because I want you to think about what you've done wrong. But that's not fair. Well, I think it is fair. I want you upstairs. But... No, no, no buts. I want you upstairs pronto. Yeah, go. No. <laughs> I can't 
So we go up to Stephanie and Michelle's room, and Stephanie's sitting out at the edge of her bed, and Comet is just, you know, resting his, his chin on her leg, and he can tell she's really upset. She's really bothered by what's going on. And Michelle doesn't exactly help matters, and she comes stomping into the room, just, oof, talking bad about Danny, and just like, Danny's so mean, and he's a big meanie, and... Yeah, she comes in and she's just like, I'm never talking to Daddy again. He's a big meanie. Why? Because he caught you doing something you shouldn't have been doing in the first place? I guess she's six, seven years old, however, six, I guess. And it's like, and Stephanie says, don't say that as Michelle hops up on her bed. And Michelle says, he's making me go to bed early. And Stephanie says, big deal. And Michelle says, it is to me. And Michelle, or excuse me, Stephanie gets up off the bed and goes over to Stephanie. And she says, I'm telling you, don't ever call dad names. And Michelle says, you can't tell me what to do. And Stephanie says, yes, I can. I'm your big sister. And Michelle kind of looks at her saying, you're not that big. And Stephanie says, I'm bigger than you. And Michelle says, so, and they're go back and forth, so, 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 and here comes Jesse says, hey, I'm trying to read out here. Oh, we get a Simpsons joke as Jesse comes in saying, hey, itchy, scratchy, I'm trying to read out here. And Stephanie says, Michelle's saying terrible things about Dad. And Michelle, just angry face, like, Daddy punished me. And Jesse, like, puts his book on top of the... Dresser there takes his glasses off and says, Michelle, look, your dad's a very fair man. I'm sure if he punished you, there was a good reason. And Michelle says, well, there is. And, she, but, and Michelle adds, but I still don't like it. And Jesse says, well, you hang in there, right? And then Michelle says, come on, Comet. You can watch me brush my teeth. It's almost my new bedtime. I'm never talking to Daddy again. He's a big meanie. Don't say that. He's making me go to bed early. Who cares? Big deal. It is to me. Look, you're I'm brat. telling you. Don't ever call dad names. You can't tell me what to do. Yes, I can. I'm your big sister. You're not that big. I'm bigger than you. So, 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 so. Hey, 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 itchy, scratchy. What's going on here? I'm trying to read out here. Michelle's saying terrible things about Michelle, listen, your dad's a very fair man. If he punished you, I'm sure there must have been a good reason. Well, there is. But I still don't like it. <laughs> you hang in there, okay? Okay. Come on, comment. Watch me brush my teeth. It's almost my new bedtime. I can honestly see where Stephanie's coming at this. Like, don't call dad names. Like, even though Michelle called him a big meanie. And she's angry because he punished her for making phone calls she shouldn't have been making. And after hearing about what Charles is going through, I can understand. It's like, yeah, you kids are are very lucky. We'll get into in a minute with um, when Stephanie has an outburst with Uncle Jesse. Just 
all of this frustration and everything just comes pouring out of her because she's so just with what's going on with Charles and you know the way that his father takes his anger out on him and everything like that so as Michelle's walking out of the room with Comet trailing behind her Jesse like lifts a leg up and she goes underneath it and uh, along with Comet and Jesse turns around like he's going to walk out of the room uh, I gotta say Jody Sweet oh my gosh knocks it out of the park with this acting she says, yeah, big deal. She has to go to bed early. Doesn't she know how lucky we are? And I like how she kind of, like, smacks her hand into her, like, for emphasis. Like, a, some kids get punished a lot worse than that. And Jesse kind of, he looks at Stephanie just kind of wondering, like, where is this anger? Like, where this outburst? Like, we don't really get this from Stephanie a lot, but something clearly is going on. Yeah, he says, Stephanie, where is this coming from? And Jesse pulls out a chair, you know, to sit down, like, sit down here. Tell me what's going on. And he asks her, like, is there something you want to talk about? And Stephanie says, yeah. And Jesse kind of makes the motion, like, okay. And Jesse kind of, like, puts his hands out, like, I, I can't hear you unless you speak up. And the thing is, it, it's hard for Stephanie. She really is feeling guilty because she feels she's going to break a confidence that she promised she swore to Charles she would not say anything and she even emphasizes that here but and the thing is not even that it's like this is something that's really hard to talk about and Stephanie says I can't I promised I wouldn't tell and Stephanie says and you guys taught me never to break a promise and Jesse says, yes, that's a good rule, but sometimes there are exceptions to every rule. And that's a surprise to Stephanie. She said, there are. And Jesse brings up the whole fact about, you know, swimming after, you know, waiting an hour after eating to swim. And he's like, I get it. You know, we have a big steak dinner and stuff like that, a baked potato, wait an hour, but eat a peanut, really? I mean, just... Just go back to swimming. It's like, yeah, I think it just means, like, you eat a dinner or a sandwich. It's like, yeah, just wait a bit because your stomach needs to digest that because the last thing you want to get is a cramp. And then it's like, you know, I understand. You know, yeah, he says, I hate that rule, waiting an hour after you eat to be able to swim. He's like, so I, I understand, you know, a big steak dinner baked potato, butter, sour cream. I get it. Wait an hour. But say you eat a cracker. Yeah, here's where the exception comes in. You eat a cracker, wait five minutes, boom, you're back in the pool. And Jesse's like, eat a peanut, you know, eat a peanut, eat a peanut and swim. Just, it's not a big deal. And Stephanie says, yeah, I, I don't think that's that kind of an exception. I mean, he's talking about like a safety rule and stuff like that. That has just been around for like almost forever, I guess. And he's like, there's all these exceptions, a whole plethora of exceptions. And Stephanie says, Uncle Jesse, I don't think that's this kind of exception. And Jesse says, look, Steph, you're a real smart kid. Just use your common sense. And Stephanie asks him, like, if I tell you, can we just keep it between us? And Jesse even says, like, honey, I, I would, but I just, 
I can't promise that unless I know what the secret is. And Stephanie's kind of kicking herself thinking, that's what I should have said. So Stephanie starts to tell him, see, there's this kid in my class, Charles. And Stephanie says, his father hits him. Bad. And Jesse looks at her and is like, Steph, are you sure about this? And Stephanie says, I'm positive. He told me all about it. Oh, this, this, oh my God. Stephanie just kind of breaks here. She says, you know, his father hits him. Bad. He really hurts him, Uncle Jesse. And this is where Jesse kind of looks at her. And are are you sure, Steph? And Stephanie says, positive. He told me all about it. And Stephanie says, and the teacher said he wasn't in school today. He had another accident. And Jesse gets up out of his seat. He's like, I need to report this right now. Okay, so Jesse, and the thing is, this is with Jesse, when it comes to any serious matter, anything, he is quick to action. And he says, I need to report this right now. And he goes to grab the phone in the room. And Stephanie is like, everything's just happening so fast. And she's like, why? And Jesse says, because if I don't report this, I will go down there and straighten this out with Charles's father myself. It's like, Jesse, I get that you want to take care of this situation. You want to help this child that's in trouble. But you go down there and... And get into a fight with that man? What if he presses charges against you for assault? It's going to make the situation worse. I think it would be best. And that's the thing that I'm thinking about is that when it comes to these cases, I, I've read where they say like teachers cannot just up and just accuse a child, well, not accuse, you know, accuse a parent of physically ab or abusing their child in any way without proof. Because you make, or a school makes an accusation against a parent who's, whom th this may not be the case. They may not, you know, the child comes to school with a, you know, a, a black eye, and it's not because their parent is abusing them, it's for, you know, some other reason. A teacher or a school makes an assumption like that, and accuses a parent without 100% proof, that school or teacher are looking at a lawsuit. That's why you have professionals handle this. And you say, I, yeah, and just, like, Jesse is ready to go off, you know, half cock and go over to this man's house and just beat him down for beating on this child. And I'm just thinking that, Get proof. Talk to the child and, or, and get more facts so you know the exact story. Granted, children like Charles are not going to just open up to an adult and start talking about what's going on and everything just for fear of... Like Charles, he was scared to death. He thought, you know, that's why she said you should talk to somebody. And he immediately is like, no, no, I can't tell anybody and you can't either. For fear of retaliation from his father, for fear of being pulled out of his house or home and being placed in foster care and, and, and everything like that. 
or even maybe even the fear of what people would say. Kids already don't like him. They find out that he's being the beaten by his father and everything. The thing is, he he doesn't want that to get out. And then Stephanie gets up and goes and takes the phone out of Jesse's hand and says, "No, Uncle Jesse, please." I promised him that I wouldn't tell. No, she says, I swore I wouldn't tell. And Jesse sits in the chair at the desk, and he takes, you know, Stephanie by the arms and says, Look, sweetheart, I know you want to keep your promise. And he tells Stephanie, if you don't say anything, and you know this is happening, you're only preventing it from, you know, more likely this is going to keep happening. I mean, yes, Charles already got thrown down the stairs. We don't know what type of injuries he has. And even though the, the dad said he fell down, no, he, he was clearly most likely thrown or pushed down the stairs, which you, a person can die falling down the stairs. They can die and he, he could have major, major injuries, broken arms, broken legs, you know? And Stephanie is worried for what would happen to Charles as she asks, but what will happen to Charles if we report it? And Jesse looks her right in the eyes and says, what will happen to Charles if we don't? And Jesse does make a phone call. I can imagine, I mean, I don't know who you would call in this situation, whether it's the police or CPS, and they would go and make a house call and talk to the dad, see the kid and his injuries, and just go from there. Big deal, so she has to go to bed early. Doesn't she know how lucky we are? Some kids get punished a lot worse than that. Stephanie, where's this coming from? Here, sit down here. Something you want to talk about? Yeah. I can't hear you unless you speak up. I can't. I promised I wouldn't tell. And you guys taught me never to break a promise. Yes, well, that's a, that's a good rule. But once in a while, there are exceptions to every rule. There are? Yeah. Yeah, like that one about, you know, not being able to swim after you eat. You know, you have to wait an hour. I hate that rule. I mean, I mean, sure, it applies. Say you eat a big steak dinner, right? You have a steak, you have a nice baked potato, some sour cream. Then, yes, an hour. But say you eat a cracker. See, this makes no sense. Here's where the exception comes in. Eat a cracker, I say, boom, five minutes, bada bing, you're in the pool, right? A peanut, I say, eat the peanut and swim. Who cares, right? There's all these, a whole plethora of exceptions here. Uncle Jesse, I don't think this is that kind of exception. Now, look, Steph, you're a very smart kid. Just use your common sense. If I tell you... Can we just keep it between us? Well, I can't promise that unless I know what the secret is. That's what I should have said. Okay, there's this kid in my class, Charles. His father hits him. Bad. He really hurts him, Uncle Jesse. Are you sure, Steph? Positive. He told me all about it. And he wasn't in school today. The teacher said he had another accident. Oh, I gotta report this right now. Why? Because if I don't, I'm gonna go straighten him out myself. No, Uncle Jesse, please. I swore I wouldn't tell. Listen, sweetheart. I know you want to keep your promise, 
But if you know this is happening and you don't say anything about it, you're only helping it happen again. But what'll happen to Charles if we report it? What'll happen to Charles if we don't? And just as, you know, when Jesse asked her if, uh, do you have anything you want to talk about? And the way that Stephanie says, yeah, it's like, you can tell that she, just in that, yeah, you can tell she is conflicted. She wants to tell him, but she's conflicted because of the promise she kept to Charles. So, uh, Stephanie comes home from school and... Jesse's sitting there, you know, waiting for her to come home, and he, he gets up as soon as she walks in the door, says, hey, Steph, I'm glad you're home. I want to talk to you about your pale Charles. And Stephanie says, it's been a whole week, and he's still not in school. And I'm thinking, Stephanie, he was thrown down a set of stairs. I don't think those are injuries that are going to heal in, in a week's time. And she says, it's been a whole week and he's still not in school. I'm worried about him. Or maybe it's been a week since it's been reported. So in this case, maybe it's been, you know, a couple weeks. So Jesse made some calls. He says that the child welfare people, they took Charles and put him in a foster family, which... Could go either of two ways, honestly. It could be a good... Th I mean, it's good to get him away from his father. Or, um... It could go bad. He could find himself in an even worse... Position than with his father. But they had to get him out of that house. And I'm just thinking... Isn't it usually the step before the foster home is going to be... Do you have any relatives? Do you have, you know, any aunts, uncles, grandparents that maybe we could, you know, court approved, send you to stay with a relative until we can get this situation taken care of? Oh, and she, she is so, I mean, her eyes get as big as saucers. She is shocked. She... And she lashes out at Jesse. She says, they took him away from his home? She is angry at Jesse. She says, I never should have told you. Yeah, she says, now he's going to hate me. This is all your fault. And then Jesse gets up because he was sitting on the edge of that armchair. He says, Stephanie, knock it off, all right? It wasn't, it's not my fault. It's not your fault. We weren't the ones hurting Charles. And Stephanie says, well, then why did he have to take him out of his house? And Jesse says, because he wasn't safe there. And Stephanie asks, well, what's going to happen to Charles? And Jesse says, well, Charles and his father need help, and now they're going to get it. And Jesse says, you know, clenched fist, he says, sweetheart, believe me, you did the right thing. And Stephanie just, she just crumbles. She just, then why do I feel so lousy? And Jesse says, because it's a lousy situation, kid. And Jesse and Stephanie sit on, you know, he puts an arm around her shoulder and they sit on the uh, side of the coffee table. And he says, I'm starting to break down. He says, 
I realize this was a hard situation for you, you know, for you to come to me and tell me this. And he says, but thanks to you, thanks to Stephanie, the bottom line is, thanks to you, thanks to Stephanie, Charles's father can't hurt him tonight. And <laughs> Stephanie asks, what made his father so mean? And Jesse says, I don't know. And he puts an arm around her shoulder and kind of draws her in and says, you know, I look at you girls and I look at Nikki and Alex and I just think, how could somebody hurt their child? DJ pops her head into the living room and says, hey, dad just pulled in. It's time for dinner. And Jesse says, let's go eat. Stephanie, as she's getting ready to pass into the kitchen, like, tosses her uh, book bag on the chair. As Danny brings in a pizza. I hope he's got more than one, because you know that eight-slice pizza is not... Is everyone getting one slice? Steph, glad you're home. Listen, um, I want to talk to you about your pal Charles, okay? It's been a whole week, and he's still not in school. I'm worried about him. I know. Listen, um, I made some calls today, and the child welfare people, um, they took Charles, and they put him in a foster family. They took him away from his home? I never should have told you. Now he's going to hate me. This is all your fault. Stephanie, knock it off. Stephanie, listen, it's not my fault. It's not your fault. We weren't the ones hurting Charles. Then why'd they have to take him out of his house? They had to. He wasn't safe there. What's going to happen to Charles? Well, Charles and his father need help, and now they're going to get it. Sweetheart, please believe me. You did the right thing. Then why do I feel so lousy? Because it's a lousy situation, kid. But listen, I realize how hard this was for you. But the bottom line is, thanks to you, thanks to Stephanie, Charles' father can't hurt him tonight. What made his father so mean? I don't know. I look at you girls, and I look at Nikki and Alex. How can anyone hurt their child? Dad just pulled in. It's time for dinner. And that was probably the thing, honestly, that Stephanie didn't want to have happen was him being pulled out of his house. That's probably what Charles didn't want to have happen. You know, putting, you know, taken out of his home and the only home he's probably ever known and, you know, away from his, his father, even though with the situation going on and stuff. And she, in a way, it probably feels that by them doing that, in a way... She feels like she probably failed Charles by not keeping the secret. And she's like, what? What? Like, that to her is the worst case scenario that he was pulled from his home and put in a foster home. Like, they took him out of his house. And, and Jesse is like, honey, he wasn't safe there. And he even says, you know, Charles and his father need help, and now they're going to get it. You know, whether his dad is going to be brought up on charges of child abuse 
or whether he's going to be sent to a treatment facility, anger management courses. I don't know how they did things back in 1990, um, 92, 91, how, how this was done. I don't know. But Stephanie, this girl's got a good heart. She cares about people. Even, you know, someone who she really just disliked because, you know, he came off as, as a jerk and everything like that. She still managed to look past that and his, and see his situation and just wanting to help him, but also wanting to, you know, to give him, you know, to keep his secret. And just... I can imagine it must have been eating her up inside, too. But, and the thing is, I mean, that was an amazing acted scene with Jody Sweeten and and John Stamos there in that living room when they were both so angry and just trying to really understand, like, the actions of, why did you do that? I never should have told you. Now he's going to hate me. The way that maybe in a way she felt like she was starting to kind of, you know, see Charles on another level and everything, like, and everything, and great, now you, like, great, now you just made it worse, now, but anyway, I just, I really think that this seems acted good, and even, you know, with Stephanie even realizing, like, yes, they do have it good, you know, they may get punished, they might get grounded, their allowance might be suspended, but Danny will never, ever raise a hand to those kids, ever. He might raise his voice, he might yell or have an outburst, but he is never gonna think that solving a problem or getting their kid to straighten out is by hitting them. And that, and that, and I'm not a therapist. But if you, I mean, and I can understand, you know, parents do. They reach their boiling point. They don't know, you know, how the best way to react. And if you feel yourself getting to that point, walk away. Take 10 minutes. Separate yourself from the situation. And just take a breath. Because the minute you react in that way, You've crossed the line. You've now damaged your relationship. With, you know, and like I said, I don't, I'm not a parent. I just, words seem easier to take back in a way than a slap across the face. Oh, he does, okay, he does have two large pizzas. Okay, gotcha. I was going to say, if he only had one, like, they, they look like large pizza boxes. So... Yeah, Danny brings in the two large boxes of pizza, puts them down on the table, and everyone starts to dig on, dig in. Oh, Danny's wearing denim now. <laughs> um, I love how Stephanie goes up to her dad from, you know, behind him, wraps her arms around him, and kisses him on the side of the face. And he looks at her in surprise, like, what, what was that for? He says, thanks. What was that for? And D, uh, Stephanie says, nothing, I just felt like it. And Danny hugs her back and says, I'll take a free hug anytime. Aww. And I love how Jesse smiles at this. I like, 
yeah, she sits down next to Danny, and uh, Stephanie hands him a slice of pizza. He's like, oh, yeah, you hungry? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's sweet. Okay, everybody, I got pizzas. Eat them while they're hot. You know, and I, like I said during the, while I was covering this, I, part of me kind of wonders, like, if Stephanie had told Danny and not Jesse, how would the situation, like, how would that scene have played out? Would Danny have reacted in the way that Jesse had? Where, like I said, Jesse, I mean, he, he's the father. He's a father, and he immediately reacts in anger because it's like he has children of his own. He knows deep in his heart. Like, when he had to punish the boys, you know, he just gave them a time. They're, they're two. But he's not going to get so angry that he's going to raise a hand to his sons. And like I said, even Danny... And part of me kind of wonders with Joey and his dad being in the military and everything, like his parents eventually did divorce. But I just kind of wonder, like, w- w- with that and his relationship with his, his father and everything, like, I think it was more with him was more not living up to his father's, his dad just having high expectations for him and not really um, accepting Joey's you know, way of life, how he wants to, you know, with his comedy and everything like that and all that. So, I just think that maybe, well, and the fact that Joey in one of his stand-up acts does admit to his father pulling off his belt to basically, you know, discipline him. And I'm just thinking, I also, growing up, that's how I was punished, spanking, being spanked, even with the belt, um, that's just sadly how, how it was, I guess, back in, back in, you know, the 80s and whatnot, you know, you did wrong, you messed up, you made a, you know, you, you're getting on a line, you were, that's just sometimes how they, how they discipline you, thinking the only way that you're going to react to that and behave is if you get spanked, and you probably will think twice about, your actions next time. I don't know. But, um, I mean, yeah, there were a, a handful of times my dad would lose his temper and everything like that. And there were times where, yes, I probably would watch what I'm doing thinking, what is the outcome of if I do this? So, I'm not going to go into further details and everything like that, but, um, I think... That also kind of made me really weary of people, maybe. That's why I'm always like, hey, are you okay? Are you all right? And you'll ask, kind of gauging people's uh, emotions, reactions. Like, always want to make sure I, when I'm doing something, I'm doing it right because I'm afraid I'm going to get yelled at or something like that. I mean, not by my husband or anything like that. But it just, I don't know, it just, it, I think it just 
made me extremely cautious and not wanting to uh, to make mistakes and not mess up for fear of you know what could happen it's, it's the thing is it just feels like some of the things in the way that we feel and everything and things that happen kind of shape how we react to things as adults due to you know child childhood trauma we tend to carry those scars with us as we get older but for like I said, the worst outfit is definitely going to go to Kimmy with that um, flower print black turtleneck thingamajink she was wearing with those goofy looking flower earrings. And best outfit? Um, I don't know. I like Charles's leather jacket. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the shirt that Stephanie wears when she and Jesse kind of get into it when she finds out that, uh, Charles has been taken out of his home and put in a foster care situation. She's wearing like, um, like, uh, like maybe like a foresty green, emerald foresty green type white striped, um, hoodie, long sleeve shirt. And I, I really like that. I thought, and I liked, like, it was almost kind of like a white greenish, like plaid, like cloth headband that she was, a um, matching headband that she was wearing. I really liked, um, <sighs> Tanner teachable for this moment is kind of pretty much just what I've already said. When, um, like if you guys, if you feel yourself getting to that point, getting angry enough that you're going to lash out in a physical way, you need to remove yourself from the situation. Step outside for a moment, go into a room, close the door, and just count to ten and really think about what your further actions could lead to. And the last thing you want to do is make your child scared to death of you that anything wrong that they do is going to result in being physically punished. Like I said, I'm not a child psychologist. I'm not a psychologist. I don't have a degree in any of that stuff. I'm just, from my heart, it's what I'm saying. I just, I, I, I can't imagine a child growing up scared to death. Like, Charles, he was so scared about what could happen because he didn't call his father to tell him that he was going to be late. Charles shouldn't have to worry that forgetting to call home to say he was going to be late is going to result in being physically, like, slapped around or pushed down the stairs or shoved into a wall or, or something. I mean, yeah, Stephanie could have done the same thing, went somewhere forgot to call, and Danny would have been like, all right, Steph, next time remember to call. Or, you know, giving her a, a light little punishment, like extra housework or something. When DJ pulled that and Joey gets tough, she's like, oh, we all stayed after karate class to plan surgery strategy for the next tournament. And Joey's like, hey, if your dad were here, you would have remembered to call. He gets angry. He yells at her. He grounds her. But 
and even though DJ's not Joey's kid, he's not gonna, you know, raise a hand to her or, or anything like that. Oh, okay. Oh, so it did come out in '93. Okay, that's right, because the show itself did end in May of '95. All right. All right. So the episode I'm gonna focus on next week is going to be from season eight, episode nine, Stephanie's Wild Ride. This aired on November 29th, 1994. Actually, November 29th was my mom's birthday. All right. So in this episode, Stephanie and Gia meet a couple of older girl, older guys at the mall who invite the girls to go for a spin. When the guys turn out to be totally reckless drivers, you know, they're like basically Beavis and Butthead in real life. I mean, the, these kids are bumbling buffoons who should not have a driver's license, nor should they be operating a motorized vehicle that could easily be turned into a wolf. A deadly weapon and kill somebody. I'm sorry, but no. That's why they make it so you have to take a test before you can get a driver's license. Stephanie's torn between her better judgment and her desire to let loose and have fun. Meanwhile, side plot, the adults all become addicted to Michelle's video game. That was a, that's a funny B-plot. I really, really liked that, so. I'm going to play a couple scenes from the episode Spare the Rod of Silver Spoons that deals with child abuse. And in this episode, we meet Rick, Ricky's friend, Toby, who is actually played by Mino Palouse, who is Soleil Moonfry's older half-brother. Soleil Moonfry, you all know from Punky Brewster. So, the first clip I want to play, of course, is when Toby and Rick, or Ricky, are playing basketball, and they want to show his dad a trick. Edward, excuse me, Edward had just given uh, his girlfriend, Kate, this really nice porcelain, uh, like, uh, flower, you know, gift for her upcoming birthday. And Edward says, no, son, I don't want you playing basketball in the house. Rick, he, Ricky does anyway and breaks the porcelain figurine and just smashes it with the basketball accidentally. Of course, he's like trying to do like a around the, uh, Side kind of like he's throwing it sideways to Toby, like this new basketball trick. And of course, Edward acts in anger. But, and the way that Toby reacts, because he comes in, he's wearing like his arm is in a sling and everything, and he, he makes up the excuse that he was like trying to rescue a stray cat out of a tree and he injured himself. And we all can read between the lines, like, there's more to it than that. So I'm going to play this clip. Hey, Rick, Rick, don't dribble the ball in the house, okay? But I need to practice, Dad. No, I'm not in the house. Okay, so first let me show you my patented, amazing behind-the-back pass. Baby, um, Rick. Son, you deliberately disobeyed me. 
I'll pay you for it. You can take it out of my allowance. I ought to take it out of your hide. Calm down, Edward. It's my fault, Mr. Stratton. I'm the one you should be mad at. I, I shouldn't have told him to throw me the ball. Ricky's room and he's like wow I really blew it that time do you see the way my dad yelled at me and Toby says hey man you really got off easy easy yeah would have been my daddy so and Rick kind of looks at him like easy and Toby says yeah if it had been my dad it would have been a lot worse it, he would have done a lot more than just yell and Rick asks him, you know, what he means by that, and then Toby gets distracted by this bullhorn, like he's trying to distract, like, basically forget I said anything. Ooh, I really blew it that time. Did you see the way he yelled at me? Yeah, you really got off easy. Easy? Yeah. If it would have been my daddy, he would have done a lot more than just yell. What would your dad have done? Never mind. Because, yeah, Rick says, well, what would your dad have done? And Toby just looks away and says, never mind. It's almost like he knows he's said too much. What were you saying before that about your dad? If I tell you a secret, will you promise never to repeat it to another person, living or dead? <laughs> I promise. And if you tell... You're going to have to pull out all of your nose hairs, one by one. All right. Okay. It's just that when my dad gets mad, he gets a little physical. You mean he hits you? Sometimes. But he does it for my own good. I'm a real screw-up. Boom! You're a great guy. Who else would risk their life to save a cat? I didn't do that. You mean your dad did this to you? He told me to take out the trash. I forgot. So he hit you for that? Well, look. It's like my dad says, he's got to be tough on me, so I learn how to behave. Now, come on, let's have some fun. So, yeah, Rick really is like, he, he can't believe that, you know, a father would do that to their kid. Because Toby says, you know, I'm a big screw-up, and my dad says, you know, he does this, he has to be tough on me, so that way. Because he says he's always forgetting things like taking out the trash or and he mentions that his dad does hit him. I'm thinking, I don't think you get a broken arm from, I mean, it looks like he probably could have grabbed, you know, to his, Toby's dad could have grabbed his arm and just, I don't know. Enough that it would either be broken or sprained. And it's just kind of like Charles in the Full House episode is saying the same thing. It's like, it's my own fault because I didn't do this or I make him angry or something like that. So, Toby's at the back door. He's got his sled. It's been snowing. He wants to go sledding with Rick. And 
Ricky's like, well, I still gotta get dressed and everything. Like, come on. Because Toby's, he's got his face covered by a scarf and his hat and everything, or his hood, the hood of his jacket. And he's saying, I'll just wait out here. And Ricky's like, no, 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 just come in. Because I still gotta get dressed and everything. And when he he turns to go back outside, Ricky kind of pulls on Toby's, the hood of his jacket and pulls it down, and we just see his face is covered in bruises. So, and I'm looking at this, and Toby, apparently enough time has passed where his arm is not in a sling anymore. So, either, more likely either it was just sprained, or I don't know. So, and Edward comes along, and he pulls the scarf off the lower half of Toby's face to actually see the extent of the bruises and stuff like that. And, yeah, Edward asks him, like, what happened to your face? And Toby says, oh, I'm such a stoop. And he's talking about, like, walking across a fence and falling and basically hitting the, the sidewalk. Or, yeah, hitting the cement sidewalk. And Rick tells Toby, like, you didn't get those bruises from falling on a, you know, hitting the sidewalk with your face, or, and you didn't, like, hurt your arm falling out of a tree. Your father hit you, didn't he? And just the look that passes between Edward and Kate's face. Of, like, they're... And Toby also brings up the fact that He, his dad got this new expensive carpet and he had warned Toby not to walk on it with, you know, his shoes, take his shoes off at the door. Toby didn't listen, got the carpet all muddy, and he says that's why his dad hit him. And Edward asked him, like, Toby, do you think you deserve to be hit for that? Well, yeah, and the, right before, you know, Toby's, like, pleading with his eyes to Rick, like, Rick, you promised. You wouldn't say anything. And Ricky says, I know, but you have to put an end to all this stuff that you're going through. And R Rick even brings up the fact that he says, you know, look, my, these guys can help. My dad and Kate can help you. And Ricky asks the question, your father hit you, didn't he? And Toby says, yeah, he hit me. And immediately... Toby blames himself. He's like, look, though, I had it coming. We just got this brand new carpet. My dad warned me not to step on it with, you know, my shoes and everything. And I, I got it all money. And, you know, Edward asks, like, Toby, do you think you deserve to be hit for that? And Toby says, well, it's a real expensive carpet, and my dad warned me not to mess it up. And Edward says, well, I'm going to have to have a talk with your father. And... Toby, like, grabs Edward's arm and says, No, please don't look. He said he was sorry. He even bought me that new sled. And Edward tells Toby, he says, Son, now that you've told me about this, I have to speak with your father. And this breaks my heart. You know, Toby, he still, he loves his dad. He says, I don't want to get him in trouble. And Edward says, And we don't want you to get hurt anymore. Come on in, say hello. Hello. Say hello, let's go. Sit down. Come on, I still gotta get my hat and coat and stuff. Well, we 
Showing off for my dad, right? We're walking down High Street, and we get to this picket fence, so I start walking on it. But then I slipped, blammo, and kissed on the sidewalk. <laughs> Toby, you didn't get those bruises from falling off your fence. No. Sure, I did. No, you didn't, and you didn't hurt your arms falling out of a tree either. Now, why don't you tell them what really happened? Rick, you promised. I know I promise, but some things are more important than promises. You gotta put an end to all this junk you're going through. Rick. Toby, these guys can help. They really can. Your father hit you, didn't he? Yeah, he hit me. But look, I had it coming. We got this brand new carpet, and I tracked mud all over it. Toby, you think you deserve to be hit for that? Well, it's a real expensive carpet. My dad warned me not to mess it up. Well, never talk to your father. No, please don't. Look, he said he was sorry. He even bought me that new sled. Son, now that I know about this, I have to talk to your father. But I don't want to get him in trouble. Well, we don't want you to get hurt anymore. So this kind of makes me just think of the parallels between Silence is Not Golden and Spare the Rod. And I'm just kind of thinking about how it would have been... I really don't know... Because if Charles's father, let's say he came over to the house, that means that, I mean, especially if Jesse knew, would he be able to rein in his anger? And the fact that you would have to tell the rest of the family who this guy is and basically the whole situation. Well, otherwise you just say, oh, this is Charles's father. And I, I could just see Jesse saying, this boy, he's not going home with you. Like, you're not taking him with you. Like, I will call the police. Dude, I, I, I could definitely see that. So, yes, in, in this episode of Silver Spoon, so Toby's dad comes over. Right away, he's like, oh, does Toby screw up? I was like, and Edward says, no, he's, he's a good kid. And Toby's father says, yeah, he, he means the world to me. And I'm thinking, okay, here's another example of... You know, Toby's mother has passed on, just like Charles's mother has passed on. It just feels like, like another example of an overworked father taking his frustrations and anger out on their child. So Edward kind of kicks this off with saying, you know, Toby seems like he's having a lot of accidents lately. And his father right away is like, oh yeah, he's at that awkward age where he's just, his coordination's out of whack. You must have noticed the bruises. It seems like he's he ends up telling the same exact story that Toby does. It's almost like if anyone asks, this is the story you tell of how you got these bruises. Because he also mentions about how Toby was on a fence, walking across a fence, and he fell and hit the sidewalk. And Edward cuts him off and says, 
Larry, Toby got the bruises from you. You hit him. And Toby's father takes offense to He says, are you accusing me of beating up my own son? And then Toby's father's like, did Toby tell you I hit him? And Edward's like, I think we need to discuss this. And Toby's father gets angry. He, he, he stands up and he starts going towards Edward. And Edward's trying to calm the situation. Like, look, I think you need to sit down. We need to discuss this. And then Toby's father gets so angry that he's, because Edward got him, like, a glass of root beer. And Toby's father, like, smacks it out of Edward's hand. Like, I'm not going to sit here and listen to this. Yeah, he, Edward says, oh, here's your drink. And, and Toby's father just slaps it out of Edward's hand and says, forget it. It just, I mean, that glass, like, sails all the way from where the couch is all the way to the back door leading out to the backyard. Clearly, yes, yeah, so you can definitely see just in that moment that that guy is quick to anger. And he, he immediately apologizes and says, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to do that. So Edward says, you know, it's tough being a parent. Every parent gets angry at their kids. And then he talks about what happened when Rick was bouncing that basketball. And he says, I wanted to hit him. And Toby's father asked, did you? And Edward said, no. And Toby's father says how Toby needs discipline. It's for his own good. And Edward tells him, like, I understand, like, yeah, kids need discipline and everything. I mean, there's discipline and then there's physical abuse. And Toby's answers complain about how the fact that he works himself, he, you know, he's bone tired, he works 60 hours a week to keep a roof over his kid's head, and then when he gets home, he sees the dishes aren't done, they're still sitting in the sink, or the trash hasn't been taken out. And... He, Toby will say, oh, I'm sorry, Dad, I forgot. Oh, this guy is like, you see, it's not good enough to say I forgot. It's a tough world out there. And then he brings up the fact that that's like how my father raised me. It's like, yes, these patterns do repeat themselves. Well, they can repeat themselves if you let it. Yeah, so he does mention that he himself was hit by his own father because of the excuses that we, he would make about why he didn't get things done. Yeah, we definitely see where this is stemming from, where he says, you know, he loved his father, even, and he also hated him for what his father... So it's almost like it's a cycle that repeats. And I think Toby's dad's greatest fear is that Toby will eventually hate his father for, for what he's doing to him. So, Edward sits down next to Toby's father and puts a hand on his shoulder. And Toby's father says, I will never hit Toby again, I promise you. And Edward says, you, that's right, you won't because you we're going to get you some help. So, Edward says that he is on the board at the Children's Hospital and they work with something called Children's Anonymous where they work with parents who need help in parenting their children and working through anger issues. And of course, his, Toby said, is not about, like, he gets up and walks away, like, no, I'm not, I told you, I will never hit him again. And Edward tells him a story about a father who was brought into court for beating on their child. And he swore, he told the judge, I will never do it again. And then 
for a while they didn't see this guy until he was brought in again but this time he was on trial for murder because he killed his child and it's one thing to say i'll never do it i'll never do it again but that's a promise he can't keep because there's always for him going to be a next time where he loses his temper or lets his fist fly. You know, you were pretty mysterious on the phone. Uh, you said there was something about my son. What happened? Did Toby screw up? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, he's a terrific kid. Right, he is. Little guy means the world to me, especially since his mother died. Larry, can I get you a drink? Uh, a cup of coffee, cola, root beer, ginger ale? I'll take a root beer. What the heck? It's after five. <laughs> oh, there's something about Toby? Yeah. He's been having a lot of accidents lately. Yeah. Kids. He's at that awkward age, you know. Uh, the old coordination's all out of whack. You must have noticed his bruises. Yeah. Well, I have to take most of the blame for that. You do? Well, I never should have let him try a crazy stunt like that. See, he wanted to walk along the top of a picket fence. He was doing great at first until he hit this icy patch and... Larry? Yeah? Toby got the bruises from you. You hit him. Are you accusing me of beating up my own son? Look, I know there are reasons these Did things Toby happen. Did Toby tell you I hit him? I think we should discuss this situation. He's not going to listen to this crap. Just sit down, Larry, okay? Here's your drink. Forget it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Larry, it's tough to be a father. Every parent gets mad at their kids. Just the other day, Rick was dribbling a basketball in the house, and I told him to stop. And he went ahead anyway and ended up breaking something very valuable. And I was furious. I had the urge to hit him. Did you? No. Look, Toby needs discipline. It's for his own good. Larry, I believe in discipline, too. You don't understand. I work 60 hours a week just to keep a roof over my kid's head. I come home bone tired. I look around and the dishes I asked Toby to do are still sitting in the sink. His bedroom, which he promised to clean, still looks like a pigsty. So I ask him about it. He looks up at me and he says, I forgot. Well, it's not good enough to say I forgot. It's a tough world out there. <laughs> if all you've got is a bunch of lame excuses, you'll never amount to a damn thing. Instead of whimpering and whining, I should have shaped up. I should have done what I was told. But I did. It's no wonder my father was furious. It's no wonder he hit me. I mean, I hit Toby. Your father hit you? He loved me. And I loved him. And I hated him.
realizes what I've been doing is wrong. I promise you I will never hit Toby again. You're right, Larry, you won't, because we're going to get you some help. What? What do you mean? <laughs> I'm on the board of Children's Hospital. We often work with an organization called Parents Anonymous. Oh, I don't need that. I told you, I won't hit him anymore. Haven't you told yourself that before? Yeah. But I'm not going to a place full of freaks and weirdos. Well, it's not like that, Larry. These people are just like you. They have the same problem. Why is this happening to me? You're supposed to know how to be a good parent. Who made that rule up? Nobody's born the perfect parent. I sometimes feel like by the time I learn all I need to know about being a father, I'll be a grandfather. And I'll have to learn that. But just let me think about this Parents Anonymous thing. There's a meeting tonight. We can have dinner, we'll go over there together, and I'll be with you the whole time. What if I say no? Well, then our only other choice is to call in the police. And you'll be charged with child abuse. And Toby will go to a foster home. He's my son. I don't think there's a court in the country that would take him away from me. You could be right. I remember last year there was a kid came into the hospital. He was pretty banged up. And the doctors found out that his father had been beating him. They reported it. The case went to court. And the father swore up and down that he would never do that again. So the judge gave him the benefit of the doubt. And then a month later, he lost control and hit his son again. He found himself right back in court. Only this time, he was on trial for murder. So Toby, Rick, and Kate come in from sledding, and Toby and his dad sit down, and Toby's dad tells him that they're going to have to split up for a while because he needs to get some help. And Toby's going to stay with an aunt, which is just as, well, definitely if you have that option available to you, the child can go live with a relative temporarily until you can get your help. Otherwise, you know, odds are they probably would be put in a foster home. And sometimes the foster homes are just as bad as the situation that the child is, is leaving from. So, Toby's father says, you know, your Aunt Florence will take care of you while I'm working on my problem so I can be a better father. Toby says, you know, he's crying. He says, I love you, Dad. And Toby's father says, I love you too. And they hug. It's like, oh. Sit down here for a minute. <laughs> We're going to have to split up for a while. Why? Because I have a problem. I think it's about time I did something about it. While I'm doing that, I want you to stay with Aunt Florence for a while. Dad, everything in our house has a doily on it. <laughs> I know. But she'll take care of you. 
while I work on my problem. I want to be a better father. I love you, Dad. So yeah, this does prove, you know, a solution that he is willing now to get help for his son, and it just, it, it, it's sad that, you know, a situation gets so bad that, you know, this happens, That, but the fact that Edward's finally able to get through to Toby's father and say, look, you need to get help for this. And he, and at first, Toby's father is kind of like, what if I refuse to get help? And Edward says, well, then I'll call the police and you'll be taken to court. And his father says, there's no judge in the world that would not let me keep my kid. Like, and Edward says, you know, you're right. And then he goes into the story about the man who, you know, a child was brought in who was pretty banged up from his father beating him and an investigation was done. The father was brought before a judge who swore, you know, and the father of the child swore up and down and said, I'll never hit my kid again. A month later, the guy was in front of the judge again, but this time he was on trial for murder. So... It's just Edward is like trying to tell us like yes, you say you will never do it again, but maybe next time it goes way too far. And it's just But yeah, I just I thought this was an amazing episode of of Silver Spoons. I just the ideas of different ways it could have went with I mean um Silence is not golden. A full house was honestly, I think, out of all the serious episodes of you know, just say no way and every, you know, um, shape up and whatnot. This is a, this subject is a very dark, dark matter, and it's just something that is just, it happens so much, and you know, we just we gotta look out for each other, and everything like that, and. Even though if someone swears you to secrecy, it's just with a secret like this, it's like you gotta say, you know, I, I can't keep that promise. You know, Stephanie asked you, Uncle Jesse, like, can we, if I tell you, can we keep it between us? And he says, well, I, I can't promise that unless I know what the secret is. And she says, you know, I should have said that to Charles. And it's like, well, because if maybe she had said that and he would have clammed right up and not said anything, he'd still be... And I mean, yes, he was knocked down the stairs. What's to say if it doesn't go... It could go even farther next time and just... Charles could have lost his life. He could have been killed by his father. This At least both of them are now going to be on the right track to get the help that they need, just like Toby and his father. So, if you guys want to hear the full episode of Spare the Rod from Silver Spoon Season 2, it is on the Punky Power podcast on SoundCloud, so, and on iTunes, so. Alright, I will be back next week with Full House Season 8, Stephanie's Wild Ride. Everyone have a good weekend, and...
If you want to email the podcast, you can do so at omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. Bye-bye.